Go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it what if you like your doctor you will be able to keep your doctor what difference at this point does it make If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet Radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917-889-3675. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern Sense is common sense. Headlines, breaking news. It's another hurricane. Oh no, wait a minute, it's an earthquake. Oh no, it's another riot going on. Oh, the world is falling apart. Every day, another shocking headline makes you wonder, what will tomorrow bring? That's why those who know what's coming are using today to prepare. I'm talking about getting your family some high quality emergency food from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leading preparedness company. They've been in business going on 14 years now, and they served millions of American families. Now they want to help you by giving you $50 off their popular four-week emergency food kit. You'll get four weeks of food per person with meals designed to give you more than 2,000 calories a day. Oh, by the way, this food stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage. So it will be there when you need it. Other food goes bad fast. So don't wait. Go to preparewithasouthernsense.com and claim your four-week emergency food kit. You'll save 50 cents per 50 cents, no, not 50 cents, $50 per kit. 
if you act now. Now, you can go to preparewithsouthernsense.com, or if you're listening to the show on my website, just go to the top left-hand corner, click on prepare. Go to Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Don't wait. Do it today. All right, and welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense. You're here listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, oh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeart, uh, Global Enlightenment Radio, oh, half a dozen places. I have no idea where I am anymore or who I am. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Annie in the Radio Chickadee losing her mind. Uh, I'm going to be a little solo for the first part of the show. Uh, Curtis had a previous appointment. He's driving back across the uh, coast of Florida to get head home. So he should be on the air shortly, within about maybe half an hour or an hour. So I'm winging it, as you can tell. I have no idea what I'm doing anyway. Just been doing this for 12 years. Good Lord. Anyway. Welcome to another adventure here. We've got a lineup that's really, really exciting. Um, we have Kathy Chamberlain. She's an author and also a fellow radio host. She uh, broadcasts on America Out Loud. And she has, instead of Rules for Alinsky, she has Rules for Deplorables, a book that is really great. Um, we had back in, believe it or not, <laughs> 10 years ago, uh, it was Pete... Let me make sure I get his last name right. Uh, Peach Hedpeth, who wrote Rules for Radicals Defeated, a Practical Guide for Defeating Obama slash Alinsky Tactics. Well, she's got an updated version dealing with it today. So hers is Rules for Deplorables. She'll be on in the first part of the show. Now, we've got also two congressional candidates running. Heidi St. John, uh, she's also an author, uh, but she's a candidate for Washington District 3, not Washington, D.C., the state of Washington. She's out there on the left coast trying to make it more on the right side of the political spectrum. So Kath, uh, Heidi St. John will be joining us. And the next person behind her is Billy Prempa. He's running for the 9th Congressional District in New Jersey. Oh, good Lord. Trying to get a, a conservative elected in the the Confederate, or no, the communist state of New Jersey is just as hard as getting someone elected in the communist state of New York. Uh, but he's out there. This is his second run. He tried before. He is now coming again. Uh, he's got a very interesting background, and I think you're going to really enjoy him. He's a, a veteran of the U.S. Air Force. And, of course, now this is our bi-monthly visit from the Epic Times of my friend Mark Tasp Tapscott. We'll be hitting all the latest issues of the day. And then after that, we're going to have, again, from the Heritage Foundation, our weekly guest, uh, Dr. Lee Edwards. He's a distinguished fellow in conservative thought at the B. Kenneth Simon Center for American Studies at the Heritage Foundation. So we have ourselves a full, full, full lineup. A lot, a lot to talk about. Um, but let's first get the dedication out of the way, and then we'll move on before we take our first guest. Today's dedication, and you know I do this every so often, because every month since the outbreak of the pandemic, 
law enforcement officers in the line of duty have succumbed to the COVID virus. And this dedication is going out to the law enforcement officers um, who lost their lives in the line of duty to COVID during the month of March of this year, 2021. And this is from the Officer Down Memorial page, and I urge you to visit it. It's Officer Down Memorial page is odmp.org. So please visit it. And for some reason, last year and this year has been a record number of law enforcement officers losing their lives in the line of duty. And the first is Sergeant Shane Owens of the Broward County Sheriff's Office in Florida. His end of watch was Saturday, March 27th of 2021. Police of Chief, Chief I'm sorry, teeth are in backwards. Chief of Police Fred Allen Posovitz of the Clinton Township Police Department in Michigan. His end of watch was March 22nd of 2021. Sergeant LaShonda Owens, Northampton County Sheriff's Office in North Carolina. Her end of watch was Thursday, March 18th of 2021. Officer Crispin San Juan San Jose the United States Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection, Office of Field Operations. His end of watch was Tuesday, March 9th of 2021. Sergeant Barry Edwin Henderson, Polk County Sheriff's Office in Georgia. His end of watch was Tuesday, March 9th of 2021. Corrections Officer, third degree, Tracy Adams. Texas Department of Criminal Justice, Correctional Institution Divisions in Texas. Her end of watch was Saturday, March 9th of 2021. Officer Carlos Mendoza, United States Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection, Office of Field Operations. His end of watch was Wednesday, February 24th of 2021. Corrections Officer Luis Arturo Hernandez, Sr. Texas Department of Criminal Justice, Correctional Institution Divisions in Texas. His end of watch was Wednesday, March 31st of 2021. Today's show is dedicated to these brave men and women who despite the pandemic went out, protected and served. They died from the COVID virus because they protected and served. We dedicate the show to these brave men and women and to all law enforcement officers, firefighters, 
and emergency service workers. We also dedicate it to our wonderful military from the birth of this nation through today and into its marvelous future. And we dedicate to them this song by Todd Allen Herndon. My name is America. May God bless each and every one. I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends When I'm attacked I protect and defend
you're here listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media. Oh, good Lord, half a dozen other places. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle of southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the mostest, the Radio Chickadee. And someone is saying in the chat room they don't hear me. Do you hear me now? I'm putting that in there now. Uh, <clears throat> I hope you do hear me. Uh, because I've been going on now for the last uh, 15 minutes. Uh, I hope you got me. Well, we'll find out. Anyway, uh, just bear with me now. I'm trying to bounce between two computers and doing and walking and talking and chewing gum at the same time. And I have no idea what this other computer is doing to me. So we're just going to get out of that. Anyway. <clears throat> I hope you can hear me. Uh, if someone would post it, just let me know. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to have to sign out and sign back in again. Okay. Saying hello out there. Uh, just going on and on. Just hoping you can hear me. <clears throat> All right. I'm hoping that everyone can hear me. All right. Um, this is... You can't make this stuff up. This is one of those things that says you just really can't make this up. Uh, the Guardian, which is a newspaper out of uh, England, United Kingdom, uh, it's a notorious uh, liberal, liberal newspaper. And they decided to name the sexiest man alive. And oh my goodness. I mean, I wanted to barf yesterday. And my poor mom. She saw this too, and she's like, she's looking at me and looking at the TV going, tell me this isn't true. Tell me what I am seeing up there is not true. Well, the Guardian decided to name the sexiest man alive. And they, of all people, uh, they dedicated it to Anthony Fauci. They called Dr. Anthony Fauci as the sexiest man alive. He's the chief medical advisor to President Biden. <laughs> they did this on Monday and they posted a photo of Fauci on Instagram and oh my goodness now I, I saw clips from the photo shoot and here is this wrinkly faced 80 something year old geezer posing as if he's like a 16 year old sexy model and the way he pouts before the camera was just too freaking funny Talk about embarrassing yourself to high hilt. I'm so, I'm sorry. I mean, I got I've got the face for radio. Trust me, I do have the face for radio. But this man, I mean, he doesn't even have a face for a paper bag. The paper bag would go running. But they decided to um, to name him as the sex sexiest man alive. My goodness, I I just. I can't believe this. I mean, just, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I mean, just, just, just where did they come up with this idea on Anthony Fauci being the sexiest man alive? The man flip-flops every two seconds. He says, yes, wear masks. No, don't wear masks. Yes, get the shots. No, the shots are ineffective. No, you don't need a booster. Yes, you're going to need a boost. He doesn't even know which foot to put his shoes on. He's the one that is leading the battle on the pandemic. And he takes time out 
to do a photo shoot as the sexiest man alive. You cannot make this stuff up. I, when you watch the news, it's almost like you're thinking, is this Saturday Night Live? Are we being fed Saturday Night Live seven days a week during the news hour? But this is what is really happening to our country, people. It has gotten that ridiculous that we, we celebrate Anthony Fauci as the sexiest man alive. Oh, man. You know, it, it, it kind of like, well, this, this reminds me of a, a funny story that someone had, had sent me. And I, I'm going to read this to you. Um, it's titled Post Turtle. And if anyone ever heard the term Post Turtle, you know what I'm talking about. You know, Anthony Fauci is the Post Turtle. All right, this is from a doctor. And he said, while suturing a cut on the hand of a 75-year-old Virginia farmer, the doctor struck up a conversation with the old man. Eventually, the topic got around to Biden and his possible role as our president. And I would substitute Fauci with Biden at the same time, or Biden and his entire administration. Put that all in there. The old farmer said, well, you know, Biden is a post-turtle. Not being familiar with the term, the doctor asked him, what is a post-turtle? What a post-turtle was? The old rancher said, well, when you're driving down a country road and you come across a fence post with a turtle balanced on the top, that's a post-turtle. The old farmer saw the puzzled look on the doctor's face, so he continued to explain, you know, he didn't get up there by himself. He doesn't belong up there. He doesn't know what to do while he's up there. He's elevated beyond his ability to function. And you just wonder what kind of a dumbass put him up there to begin with. Now that's the best explanation I have ever heard. So we've got the Biden administration and Dr. Fauci as the sexiest man alive. They're all post turtles. You don't know how he got up there. He doesn't know what to do while he's up there and he's elevated beyond his ability to function and you wonder what kind of a dumbass put him up there to begin with. Post turtle. I think we should do an entire show on post turtles, but it looks like we may have Curtis in the room if he unmutes himself and let's welcome aboard my late co-host. <laughs> Good afternoon, Curtis. How you doing? Yeah, well, I'm still on the road. I should be home in another 15 minutes so I can get on with my headphones set and everything. But I thought I'd call in and, and uh, no, I'm. Oh, Curtis, Curtis is driving, so he got dropped off. <laughs> well, that's the way our show is going to be going all day. <laughs> so Curtis is on his way home. So he should be home shortly, and he will be with us shortly. But we have so much to talk about. And um, one of the things, this, this, this really ticks me off. Talk about violation of our First Amendment rights. We all know there is a crisis going on on our southern border. And, okay, I'm unmuting Curtis once again. Curtis, don't worry about it. You're going to pop in and out until you get home. So don't worry. We'll, we got your back, well, baby. Well, actually, I don't know, you know, 
everybody knows about 5G coming up, you know, for cell phone uses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are two spots in the area that I pass through that whenever I'm on the phone, my phone just goes out. That's how powerful 5G is. And I think that's one reason why they want everybody to upgrade their um, cell phones because those newer ones will be shielded. Well, what they don't tell you is that your brain will not be shielded. And, I mean, just think of the the, the damage it can do to your brain if it could just shut down a, a cell phone, a, a 3G or 4G cell phone just passing by, you know. And from what I know, they're putting these cell, uh, 5G cell towers and, and units up in um, urban areas like on a street corner where people stand and wait on a bus and things and they're unprotected. So that's what happened. You know, every time I go past there, my phone's so off. But I do have a 5G phone that I have yet to uh, activate. Well, because they're going to cut off all service for 4Gs and below. Well, you know, what they don't tell you, that people that constantly have the phone next to their head uh, end up with a higher rate of brain cancer. It doesn't matter what G you're talking about, but this 5G definitely is more uh, powerful. So, folks, this is, is. this is one thing I do not do. Um, come 9 o'clock at night, my phones are turned off. My cell phone remains in the living room. I very rarely have it up next to my head. And if I'm on my cell phone, I try to limit how much time I'm on there. Usually it's like a minute or less. I'm not someone that's really long on telephone conversations. And if I can, I'll use a headset. Uh, but I, I try to avoid placing the phone too close to my head. Um, I have Bluetooth in my car, so I'll leave the phone in my purse. Uh, if I am driving in the other car that doesn't have Bluetooth, because I've got two vehicles, I will put it in a holder and I'll answer it on speakerphone. I will not pick it up and put it next to my head, especially if I'm driving. Um, if I'm in the kitchen doing something, I'll put the phone next to me where I'm working. But if someone calls, I'll use speakerphone. Um, so avoid putting the phones close to your head because it does emit a radiation that can cause brain cancer. It does. And, they, and they even the yeah. manual that I got, even a manual tells you, do not put this against uh, your body or your, your head, you know, when you're using it too long, you know. So they're warning you, you know. They're all protected, you know, because it's just the way they do business, you know. They, they you know, cut you out from um, being able to sue them. Yeah. But now- um, it's just dangerous. Well, I, I, I do have the Bluetooth earpiece, but for some reason with the phone I got after the car accident, the Bluetooth earpiece doesn't work. But even then, I don't leave it in. If I, like, if I'm leaving my mom here alone at home and I go into the grocery store, mm-hmm. I have the phone with me in case she needs something or there's an emergency. Uh, but I'll leave it in my purse. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'll leave it in a pocket of my purse where it's easy to reach but it's not in close proximity to my head. When I had the Bluetooth earpiece, I only put it in my ear if I was getting out of the car and going into a store or another building doing something. And as soon as I was done, I would take it out. So, you know, this is this is important, folks. With this new 5G, it's very powerful. And there are, at times, you will get a, a, a sunburst and a sunburst can affect 
the radiation in your cell phone. So rule number one, unless there's an emergency, do not take your phone into your bedroom and go to sleep. Leave it somewhere else. I mean, there's nothing that is that important that they can't leave a message. Unless you're expecting an emergency call, uh, I'm telling you folks, this new technology, they're not telling you everything there is. And I think we may have our first guest in the line, our first victim of the day. Let me see if this is, is this Kathy Chamberlain? Yes, it is. Is this Annie? Yes, it is the one and only. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way down to a major speech in Davie, Florida. So I'm hoping the sound is going to be good enough here. Well, don't worry. My co-host is on the line with me and he's driving uh, back to his home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also in Florida. Hi, Hi CS. Oh, man. How are you? So we're both on the road. <laughs> on the road again? I'm guessing that's CS. Yeah, maybe will break out. <laughs> Oh, Willie. <laughs> <laughs> On the road again? <laughs> oh, geez. <Yeah>. Pothead Willie. <laughs> anyway, Kathy, I uh, want to welcome you to the show. Uh, you have your own radio show uh, called America Out Loud that people can find by going to AmericaOutloud.com. But you also are the author of Rules for Deplorables. And oh, my goodness. Um, in in your book, when you're doing the intro, you you said that you didn't think anyone else had ever written I'm reaching across my desk, bear with me. A book about Sololinsky and rules, his rules for radicals. But there was someone that I had on the show, believe it or not, 10 years ago. He wrote Rules for Radicals Defeated, a practical guide for defeating Obama slash Alinsky tactics. His book kind of like was very similar to yours, but he dealt specifically with Obama. You deal with the whole uh, liberal, progressive, communist situation in today's world. But the funny thing is, he wrote on his page 110, he said, I hesitate to spell out specific applications of these tactics. I remember an unfortunate experience with my reveille for radicals in which I collected accounts of particular actions and tactics employed in organizing a number of communities. For some time after the book was published, I got reports that would-be organizers were using this book as a manual and whenever they were confronted with a puzzling situ situation, they would retreat into some vestibule or alley and thumb through to find the answer. Now, my question to you is, are you afraid your book would be used the same way? Well, that's a good question, but may I make one correction? What I wrote in my book, Ed, because I'm well aware other people have written about Saul Alinsky and his tactics, most certainly, uh, and there's many others aside from the gentleman that you speak, spoke about, but. The difference with my book is that I interweave Alinsky tactics with Cloward Piven strategies. Right. Okay, that's the big difference. Nobody else has ever done that. And to me, that's critical because uh, Cloward Piven, that's Richard Cloward and Francis Fox Piven, wrote a, uh, a series of strategy papers starting back in the 60s all designed to overwhelm our systems, our welfare systems, our voting election systems even, that, that uh, transpired into the motor voter uh, bill that Bill Clinton signed in 93. At any rate, they were all designed to take our country down. And so I call them the blueprint for transforming our country to socialism, whereas 
Alinsky tactics really are the, the vehicle by which to get us there that the left uses against conservatives. So that's the difference there. But um, back to your question, which I wish I could remember. <laughs> well, are you afraid that someone would read your book and use it as a blueprint on, on what to do to counter us? Oh, absolutely not, because what I do in my book, I take each one of his tactics. Uh, he has 13 of them, so I've got 13 to one tactic per chapter. And I break the tactic down to explain to conservatives how they're being used against us. And I use current events. And if you notice, I have about 400 footnotes in there, so it's very, very <laughs> accurate. I've never had, yeah, I've never had one footnote challenged which you can imagine the left is looking for something wrong with it. But uh, so I present it in such a way as to educate conservatives how these tactics are being used against us and what we can do to counter them. You know, um, when I was reading, especially the introduction, you had me cracking up a couple of times, but you have not always been a conservative. You were a really progressive liberal when you were growing up, and you came from a military background, which, you know, most military kids are usually more conservative or Republican, but you were a rebel. And I was cracking up because I got a brother that was just like you. And he still is. <laughs> He's well, in his sixties, he like us. <laughs> was, he, was he the? Yeah. Was he the middle child? No, he was the firstborn. Believe it or not. Oh, that's that is unusual. No, I was the middle child. That explains a lot. And um, I, yes, I was brought up very conservatively, and that's what made me rebel to the exact opposite uh, end of the spectrum. And I left home when I was 17, and I did end up in California, where now I grew up in the D.C. area. Uh, but of course, we moved around quite a bit when I was younger. But then when I got to California, I got incredibly indoctrinated, as so many young people do. And so I know exactly how they operate. And that's how I e e originally read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals because it's pretty much required reading for liberals. And there's a difference, which I explain in my book, Annie, that there's a difference between liberals and the left. Mm -hmm. And there's a real distinction that uh, people would be wise to uh, understand because uh, the liberals are just indoctrinated useful idiots, which I was one, <laughs> I can use that term. <laughs> but uh, but le the left, on the other hand, is very, they're the calculated wolves that drive the liberals to do and vote the way they do. Well, you know, uh, my dear friend Jim Simpson wrote a book recently uh, dealing with, you know, his book was titled Who is Karl Marx? But he breaks down the growth of socialism and communism. And one of the things that Marx does is what you explain also in your book but differently uh, and more for a layman to understand in your book is that the left the ruling elite will use those blissful idiots the um the uh what do you call it the uh oh god i just had a major brain fart the sheep really it's uh, really the sheep uh, but, on the 
on the progressive liberal side. But the, the, the cultural elite, the, the artists, the professors, the authors, mm -hmm. they will use them to get the message out. But once they've got the message out and they've got control, they're gone. They're just as disposable as you and I are. And they will be disposed. Oh, more so, actually. Yeah. 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 yeah no, they're, they're more disposable because they actually, believe it or not, once they recognize that they have been so lied to and deceived, they're the most vehement attackers back on those who did the deception. And that's happened in every socialist slash communist takeover. So, um, yeah, that, they'll definitely be uh, disposed of the quickest. Absolutely. You know, I, I really did enjoy reading your book. And, you know, I, I find that when you had your epiphany, um, you still didn't like Ronald Reagan. Have you ever come around to him yet? Oh, my gosh, I'm one of his biggest fans now, of course, <laughs> now, that I, <laughs> now that I understand my, that my worldview has now uh, awakened. You know, I was red-pilled back, uh, it began with Ross Perot, really, and that's when I changed parties from Democrat to uh, Independent, and I, I did remain Independent for 25 more years until uh, Donald Trump threw his hat in the race. Because here in Florida, we can't uh, vote in the primary unless we are, you know, either uh, one of the main parties, the Republican or Democrat. So I changed my vote to Republican just for Donald Trump. Wow. Now, I got a question. Well, we're trying close to get our, we're trying here in South Carolina to close the primaries. I know New York has it. You had to register by party and you can only vote in that. But here it's an open and we're fighting. We finally got it where we're allowed to put your uh, affiliation on your voter ID. Uh, so that's the first step. We've got the foot in the door. We've got to just pry it the rest of the way over, which means we need to change our state constitution. So that's going to be a battle here in South Carolina. Uh, but um, I'm just curious because at the age of 62, you were still climbing ladders to do inspections. Now, my husband, God rest his soul, just passed away recently, uh, was a home inspector. So every time he went up a ladder, I freaked out. But when you fell off that ladder and hit your head, is that when you became a true conservative? I, I had to ask that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, thank God I didn't hit my head. I, I threw my arms backward to stop my fall. That was from 10 feet up and I landed on concrete and um, I ended up my back and breaking both wrists. And also then I got life-threatening blood clots. So but if I had hit my head, I'd probably be dead. I was so lucky uh, and I thank God every day that I didn't have more permanent long-lasting repercussions from that because I was in, ended up in the hospital for three months and then it took me about a get back to full I still don't have full use but um, but pretty normal and um, and so that's the day that I uh, you know the doctor said to me that's it no more ladders which she didn't really have to tell me <laughs> and by the way I am sorry <laughs> I am sorry for your husband for your loss with your husband oh thank you um, but yes yeah, yeah. So, so I, 
that it's when I was laying in bed for, for the, that three months that uh, all I could do was watch Fox News and get more upset and more upset about how President Trump was being treated. And I recognized the Alinsky tactics being used against him. And that's when my memory went back to reading that Rules for Radicals. And I wondered why has no, why isn't anybody talking about how the left is using these tactics so successfully against him and how rhinos are going right along with it. So that's what prompted me to change. I had to change careers at that age. It was not easy. And I became a, uh, a writer and now a very successful uh, speaker on the speaking circuit, which is where I'm headed now. Well, you know, that brings me right into one of the articles that's on your webpage, uh, which is AmericaOutloud.com, where you have your blog there. And it's titled Rhinos and America Firsters Wage War Over GOP Control. And I, I started underlining it and I got to the point where I was almost underlining every single paragraph in your article. Uh, but what got me was um, I still run a Tea Party. I have been, I, I was one of the founding members back in 2009. I'm the last leader left in there and I'm still running meetings monthly. And I also am active in my local GOP. And you're talking about uh, control of the party and election integrity, which is so important, where the rhinos were going, well, we're just going to pass any bill uh, called election reform. And the public will go, all right, they're doing something to help control. But you've got to look at the stuff that they're passing, which is what my county GOP recently did. They put a committee together. They looked at all the legislation that got shoved on the back burner at the end of the last session, and they started to pull it apart. And they looked for all of the traps, all of the pitfalls, all of the good intentions that have the possibility of going in the opposite direction. And they wrote out every single one. They did a PowerPoint presentation. They brought it up to Columbia. They sat down with the... Um, Senate Majority Leader and the uh, House Majority Leader. And they said, this is the legislation you've got on the back burner that you're putting up front now because everyone's screaming election integrity. And this is what's wrong with all of them. This is what we recommend. And they actually listened. They actually did listen and modified the legislation, rewrote it so it has better control. This is what you're talking about in this article. Pay attention, folks look at what they're doing, and then talk to them, right? Right there. I apologize. I hope you can still hear me. Yeah, I got... Um, okay, great, great, great. Yeah, I'm almost over this bridge, so I think we're good. But I heard almost everything you said, and that is fascinating. And yes, uh, there is a real rift right now between the rhinos and the Americans. Because here, uh, for example, in Florida, we're having a major battle because the RNC is going around telling all of the Republicans uh, that uh, the, the main focus is on uh, signing new people up to register to vote, right? Which is important. There's no question about it. But the problem is they don't want to address what happened in 2020. And America Firsters are all about the fraud that are... So there's a real battle line being drawn, and it's 
just going to get worse. I was just at our geo, uh, at our local meeting, monthly meeting, on Monday night, and so many people showed up from my uh, group, which I I'm I'm the leader in my county on um, on election integrity, and we have formed ca- canvassing teams, and we've been going door to door for three months now, just like Arizona. And we've been finding anomaly after anomaly. We've got about a 74% rate that these votes from people who voted uh, with suspicious anomaly type data that the the computer pulls up, right? We just go to suspicious uh, addresses, but we're finding incredible anomalies here. And so we're really fighting against the rhinos who don't want to look at 2020 and we're trying to get to, to take a look uh, and let's audit our state. Now, what was it uh, that was said once before that if you don't recognize and learn from your mistakes, you're bound to repeat them? And that's what the rhinos are doing. Don't don't pay attention to the mistakes yes. that were done back in 2020. Uh, that was just then. Uh, this is a whole new era. No, it's not. It's a repeat of 2020 because you never corrected the mistakes that happened to begin with. And I mean, California, uh, that recall election that just happened is a perfect example. Newport Beach, Precisely. where my in-laws, my ex-in-laws uh, lived, uh, a beautiful, beautiful area, uh, wonderful. But you had 70% of the people that showed up at the poll to vote and were told, oh, no, you already voted by mail. Right. It's 70% and you think that this is election that should not be contested? And what really ticked me off is Larry Elder, who I have a lot of respect for, conceded Instead of saying, no, wait a minute, there's too many anomalies here. Let's do an audit and see who really won. But he just gave up right like that. And it's like, well, if you give up like that, then why should we vote for you in 2022? That really disturbed me. Uh, That really disturbed me, too. But, you know, he kind of worked himself into a box there by coming out prior to the election, to the vote. And the recall, he he said there was no fraud in 2020 basically so if 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 he's out there saying uh look everything's just fine with the vote how can he now go back and say oh no i want to recount so he made that huge mistake that miscalculation prior to to the vote being counted and i'll bet he's sorry he said that now he's a victim of exactly what he was saying didn't happen right And uh, the Heritage Foundation has on their website uh, an election uh, monitoring page, which Hans von Spakowski, I love this man. (laughs) I told him I adored him. (laughs) I think he blushed. Uh, But he showed that in four states, the the missed votes, the the, the votes that were uh, raw, actually, uh, how do you say it, fraudulent or mysterious, was more than enough to push the election from Biden to Donald Trump. And no one's talking about turning the election over. It's like, well, it's been certified by the uh, uh, Electoral College, so it's a done deal. All right, fine, I'll accept that. But we got a problem here where the wrong person is sitting in office and the right person is paying the penalty for it and the rest of the nation is paying a penalty for it. 
So election integrity is an extremely, extremely important thing. Yes, it certainly is. Uh, to me, it's the most important thing. Nothing else is going to matter if we do not get this right, because we'll never have another election, a free and fair election. We've seen that in Venezuela, uh, because we can just look at other countries like them and see uh, how the uh, the fraud occurred there. And and now there's no chance those people will get their countries back in their in their lifetimes. And we've got one last chance left here. If if we do not if we do not uh, make a big issue out of 2020, there will be no 2022. This is what people fail to understand. We saw it also in the uh, the runoff in Georgia. I mean, it was incredible to me that that rhinos would even think that it would be a fair election in Georgia, but we just got finished seeing the obvious concerns over 2020. Well, I, I so, want to... like you said, you keep... Mm-hmm. No, 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 go ahead, finish, please. Well, like what you said, you keep making the same mistake, you know, over and over again, you, the result is not going to change. And that's where we're at right now. Exactly, exactly. You know, matter of fact, here in South Carolina, Stacey Abrams is now in Charleston. So what she did in Georgia, she's trying to do in South Carolina. And it's not sitting too well with us right now, to say the least. So she's trying to turn us blue. Uh, Charleston area is already blue, but the rest of the state, no, (laughs) it won't work. Anyway, I want to change it a little bit because uh, Biden and uh, the sexiest man alive, Dr. Fauci, are pushing for these vaccinations. And it's the, the, the attitude is, is that if you don't get vaccinated, then you're out of the game. They are actually doing a new version of segregation, especially with these passports. And, you know, you you write about the choice of whether or not to be vaccinated. And I did a ton of research on this one. And, you know, I even had a discussion with my mom and she's also the same. You know, first talk to your doctor. The most important thing is find out from your doctor. And I spoke to my cardiologist as well as my GP. And both of them said, don't do it because of my health risks. But they're forcing you that you can't fly a plane. You can't get on a train. You can't get it on a bus. It is a new version of segregation. And what's the largest part of the population? Our, our, our population that is not getting vaccinated is that of the black Americans. So it's another Jim Crow yes. law. And why isn't anyone screaming about that? No, I totally agree with you. It's very frightening because they are using Alinsky tactic number 13 with this. And that is pick a target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. And what they're doing is they're trying to divide uh, the vax against the unvaxed, right? And they're using another tactic that is the threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. So they're they're basically targeting the unvaccinated as 
the ones who are really spreading this vaccine, the, the uh, sorry, the Delta variant all over the place. And the truth, the, the truth is nothing further from the truth. I mean, the, it's, it's clearly scientifically proven that the shedding from the, uh, from the vaccinated is really what's mutating this virus. And I did a lot of research. I'm a deep dive researcher on many of my articles. And I did one about a year, year ago on uh, Bill Gates and his vaccinations worldwide. And it was, it just really shocked me what's going on. People don't realize he has, uh, he, he uses countries like Africa, third world countries, um, as his Petri dish, basically. And they were almost eradicated completely from polio. And he came in and he started uh, his whole vaccine program with polio shots, right? And what happened was they would go into a little village and they would start giving certain people these shots. And then the same thing occurred, what they call shedding. And what was happening, it was causing outbreaks of polio all over the place. So they would have to go into the villages and, um, and create, uh, they call it mopping up. And it's a procedure wherein they go and then they start doubling up on all the vaccines so that they can get the rest of the people vaccinated who haven't been vaccinated uh, in order to uh, stop the, the, uh, the virus that they actually created uh, from spreading even further. Now, the, the horrific thing about it is that they do not go and pay for any of the damage that they've caused. There have been so many children uh, paralyzed, uh, dead, and otherwise injured horrifically. And the Gates Foundation has no program in place, and that is verified. I list all my sources uh, for the uh, for the references that I use in my articles, just like my book. Um, they never went back and helped any of these poor people. No, and, and my, my mom's 89. She's a little old Italian-American, and God bless her. She goes, well, who's making all the money off of this? And I said, Mom, you're right. Yeah. Follow the Benjamins. We have these vaccines, and we're finding that even if you're vaccinated, you can still get the virus from one of the variants. Whereas if you are right. not vaccinated, you ended up with the virus, you have what may possibly be a lifetime immunity to not just the original virus, but to any variant of it. Because your body's able to adapt to the variant. Whereas if you've got the vaccine, the vaccine's designed only for one. It doesn't accept any other variant. You're actually altering your DNA. And I call it the mark, the mark of the beast. So there's no- oh, I do too, I'm with you on that. It, it is the- I, I, and, I, and, the and the left, the left creates these things that are so unbelievable that then they turn around and call us conspiracy theorists because it, it really truly is unbelievable when you get into understanding exactly what's going on here. But I don't know if you heard, I just heard this morning that um, a great uh, number of the Afghans that they're bringing over here right now, I uh, have um, the measles that the they're expecting now huge outbreaks within our children 
uh, population. And so people have to wake up. They have to understand and use some common sense here. Why are they trying to uh, shut all the unvaxxed here down when they're bringing over so many people across our border and from Afghanistan that have all these diseases that what's, you know, it's just common sense. They wouldn't do that if their real motive was to keep Americans safe. No, and it, I've been talking about this for years. They have stopped medically screening these illegal immigrants. They're dropping them in communities. And I believe it was two years ago, L.A. had police officers with outbreak of leprosy, tuberculosis, yes, I polio, measles. All these diseases that we had eradicated have now popped up yes. in our population. And they're not medically screening these illegal aliens that they're dumping, dumping in small town communities, especially in red states, it seems. Wonder why. You know, this is the yeah, global right. idea of decimating the population so that the elite can take control of our land. That's that's our whole point. That's the UN's idea. Reduce the population. Yes, it is. By 90 to 95 percent. And that's what they're aiming for. And uh, uh, next week, I'm going to have uh, someone you know, on Annie, that's going to be talking exactly yeah. about that. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could, you know, if people, um, if they don't want to believe what we're saying, because I'm 100% behind everything you just said. And if people don't want to believe this is being done intentionally to our country, that's fine. Don't believe it. We know that it is, but at the same time, what's the other alternative? Why else is all of this happening? Then it's got to be because they're inept. And either way you look at it, let's get rid of them. Yeah, you know, we're going to be the first ones to go in this battle of good and evil. Uh, but you know what, guys? Revelation says we win in the end. Um, but it's going to be one heck of a fight, and we're in for it. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, Kathleen Marquette. She's with the American Policy Policy Policy. I can't even talk today. Hello, my teeth are in backwards. American Policy Center, and she wrote a great article about, you know, um, how they want to come in, reduce our population. So those of us that are out here fighting the fight, trying to keep the Constitution and the Republic. Yes, we're not a democracy, folks. This is Constitution Day. Uh, we are a republic and a constitutional republic. Uh, we're trying to keep that. And it's a, it seems like it's an uphill battle. I almost feel like we're like our founding fathers. We're the voices out there trumpeting it. And the next is going to be some sort of a battle. And I, I, I don't want to see that, but I'm afraid of that. Yeah, people are getting very upset out uh, out here. I'm getting uh, I get a real pulse on the people as you both do because I'm out all the time intermingling and speaking to them. And there are so many. Really, it's it's boiling. It's getting to a boiling point, um, and something is going to happen because we cannot allow our country to be taken over by these people who who have told us what they want to do with it they're not hiding from their intentions and if we're not smart enough to believe what they even tell us themselves then we deserve what's coming but there's a, a, a 
a certain percentage of the population like you, me, Willie, we know what's coming and we're fighting tooth and nail to save this great uh, nation of ours. Well, we're going to have to take an eye on what happens this Saturday in Washington, D.C. Um, Nancy yes. Pelosi has already been sending the Capitol Police out throughout the United States. No, no, no. They're Capitol Police. They belong at the Capitol. They shouldn't be anywhere else outside of Washington, D.C., but she's using them as her own Stasi. If anyone's not familiar with the word Stasi, it was the Nazis' personal police. Uh, so we've got to watch to see what happens this Saturday, and we have to hold our elected officials responsible. Kathy, that is exactly what you do. We ran out of time. I wish I had you for a full hour because I got a stack here that is about a quarter inch thick of printouts with little notes all over them about things I wanted to talk to you about, and we've run out of time. So we got to make sure you come back on soon. I'd oh, love yeah. to. Thank you both. Thank you both for having me, and you have a wonderful right. weekend. And God bless and drive Take safe. Take care, Kathy. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. And we have our next victim up in the bullpen, Curtis. That's right. Well, welcome to the nut hour job. <laughs> welcome aboard to a candidate running for the state of Washington, District 3, Heidi St. John. Good afternoon, Heidi. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, seven kids. I was looking at your photo on your website. God bless you. <laughs> How do you have your Saturday after seven <laughs> and grandkids? Oh my goodness. You know what? Yeah, I do. Our oldest daughter is uh, in her thirties now and I still have a 10 year old, but I'll tell you what, you know, you want to, you want to find a good fighter for this country, find a mama bear. She's hacked <laughs> off that our nation is being lost. The socialists on my watch, so yeah. Oh man, um, you also do a, a speaking series uh, about moms. You have books out there called Mom Strong series, and you do these workshops. You know, tell us about these workshops because I was looking at the topics, and it's like, what doesn't this woman talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, you know, I'm interested in what's happening uh, to the family. And this has been, you know, the, the left has been trying to destroy the nuclear family now for many, many years. And we're watching it play out every day in the news. And so in 2017, I um, contracted with a publishing company named Tyndale. And we, uh, I started a book series called Becoming Mom Strong, How to Fight with All That's in You for Your Family and Your Faith. Uh, because we see where this nation is headed. If we do not stand up, get off the bench, get onto the battlefield, and the culture has reduced motherhood to a stopover on the highway of life, something that you do, you know, when you're uh, on the way to the, the real thing that you're doing. And I want these parents to know that what you're doing right now in raising your children, uh, teaching them, you know, fear of the Lord and to teach them the, the great, uh, the history of this amazing nation that we call home. If we neglect that, then we lose a generation. And so that has really been in my heart. I speak all over the country. Uh, I've been uh, everywhere for the past 18 years. This has been my message. I've been on uh, lobbying for parental rights and for freedom, education freedom, up on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and also here in the State House. So running for Congress is the next step for me, and I'm ready to take it. Well, you know, I was reading your biography, and I had a crack up um, because, you know, I always tell everyone that 
conservatism is part of my DNA. There's a little hint of liber libertarianism in me, uh, but definitely conservative in my DNA. I don't think there was ever a blood cell in me that screamed liberal. And I was reading your, your bio and it said your grandfather took you alone uh, along on campaigning door to door for Ronald Reagan. You know, my first vote for president definitely was not Jimmy Carter. I mean, Reagan didn't win that election, right. but it definitely was not for Jimmy Carter. And I'm saying, dang, I like this lady. Well, it was my grandfather really played a huge role in my life. He was a pastor. And the churches have, you know, I, I blame the churches and the pastors for a lot of what's going on in this country right now because we had so many Christians and evangelicals who were just like, hey, you know, uh, we don't belong in this politics, it's dirty, we'll leave that to other people. But my grandfather, who was also a pastor for many, many years, said, no, it is a sacred responsibility. Every single one of us has the responsibility to protect freedom. And so when I was very young, he started uh, teaching me about the political. He was the one who taught me about the three branches of government. He was the one who took me out, you know, going door to door and meeting people. And it's in my blood. I think like you, I'm a, I, I, in every fiber of my being. I love this country. I think it's worth fighting for. And uh, I got that from my grandparents. You know, if, if people actually read the Bible, Christ did go after the politicians. He went after the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You know, they were the ones that were making yeah. public policy. So nothing that Christ did said, don't enter politics. Somewhere along the lines, when Jefferson got that letter from those Baptist ministers up in, uh, what was it, Connecticut, somewhere along the lines, someone interpreted yeah, the that. Danbury Baptist. Right. Separation of church and state. It's not in the Constitution. It ended up being a Supreme Court ruling that was completely wrong, should be overturned. But ever since then, we have been screaming separation of church and state. And then the IRS sticks its nose in and says, you're not going to be a, a, a nonprofit if you preach from the pulpit. Wait a minute. Where did the First Amendment right of free speech go? It doesn't matter if you're in the pulpit or in your bathroom. You have the right to, to speak your mind. Whether we agree with it or not, whether it's stupid or not, you still have the right to speak your mind. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And people do not understand where, especially pastors, woefully illiterate when it comes to this ruling in the first place. They can actually, the only thing they really can't do is uh, endorse publicly from the pulpit a, a, a candidate, and they cannot contribute to a political campaign. But they can absolutely talk about what's happening politically. They can give people opportunities to speak from their pulpits and to educate their people. And frankly, it's a misunderstanding that we are supposed to have a, quote, separation of church and state. And if you really, if you take this thing all the way to its end, and, uh, and I think, you know, I'm well qualified to talk about this. My husband was a pastor for 20 years. I'll tell you what, these churches that hide behind their 501c3s, and they say, well, we can't talk about this because we're a 501c3. Shame on them. Shame on them for doing that. Because what has happened is we are, we are putting our country up on the chopping block for money. And that is a shameful moment. It's a shameful moment for the church and for the country that we find ourselves in right now. Well, it's like the temple that Christ went into and saw all the selling and the, 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 the lenders overturning the tables. We have to go into our churches, throw the tables over and say enough. 
This is the house of God. Let us follow the word of God. And that does not mean being silent about what is going on around us. And um, I was so sad one day, um, right after the Supreme Court ruled on uh, 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 same-sex marriage. And our pastor at the time got into the pulpit and spoke against what the Supreme Court did. Because it's, it's not following within the gospel. And two weeks later, he gets back up into the pulpit and apologizes for that sermon. And I'm thinking, what happened? Who just gelded him? And that is exactly what our government is doing. They're gelding our, our religious leaders. And if you take religion out of us, who are we going to be dependent upon? Who are we going to look up to? We're going to look up to government. Who is now currently in control well, you know, of the government? The left socialist communists. And what do we get out of that? We get Joe Biden. You know, I agree with Heidi that, um, you know, there's no such thing as separation between church and state and the Constitution. That, that was a misunderstanding of a, a letter um, Jefferson was um, responding to someone about that, that issue. But it's really odd that um, if you look at the history of the um, civil rights movement in modern times, because of, there was a civil rights uh, movement way back in the, the late 1800s. But the thing is that the churches, was the black churches, that, that were really political, you know? They the ones, ones that um, took political action, um, staged all of these um, marches and, and pretty much you know, they, they, they were telling people who to vote for. So, you know, you don't really hear much about that. But there were some churches, especially the black community, in the black communities that, um, that um, you know, were highly politicized. Um, today, now, they use that as a way to say, hey, we shouldn't get involved. And, and it's just so sad that people don't want to get involved. And well, you, well, Curtis, have, Curtis, you know, I, I would... I would take it even further back because pre-revolutionary, we had the black robe, robe regiment. And these were the ministers that would get up in the pulpit and rail against King George. And these were the ministers. Eventually, um, what was it? One became a general in the Revolutionary War. Uh, when he retired, he went back as a regular trooper. There's a famous painting about when he was killed by the Redcoats up in Massachusetts. I'm, I'm trying to remember his name and it fleets me, but we've had the Black Robe Regiment for a long time. It's just that they've become silent and we've got to awaken them. But, you know, Heidi, back to your campaign. You're running in Washington District 3 uh, and I love your website because very few campaigns will actually spell out issue by issue what your stance is and it's a fantastic one they can go there and find out about anything from forestry to energy health care border security medical freedom military jobs life and i mean you you list each and every one of these main issues that is really really in the forefront of today and you spell out exactly how you stand it's a simple drop down menu that's very easy to use i love it Thank you. Well, I, I believe in transparency. I have raised my children and my grandchildren in this area. And the and Washington State, thanks to the progressive left, the hard left and uh, Democrats, and frankly, weak Republicans, 
this part of the country is absolutely on fire. Uh, we are losing our freedom. You'll see that I talk a lot about medical freedom. I think it's going to be the next civil rights fight of our lifetime. Anytime the government can come in for whatever reason and, and tell you this is what you will and will not do uh, be, uh, on your person and to your person, we've got a huge problem. They're discriminating against people right now based on their vaccination status. And if you watch what's happening here, uh, coming down from the tyrannical governor, Jay Inslee, he has mandated state and state workers until the, uh, I think it's the 15th or it's coming up in October. Basically they have until the 4th of October to get the second series of shots or they're going to be fired. These are Washington state patrol officers, firefighters, ferry workers, teachers, bus drivers, hospital employees. Uh, it's devastating what is happening here. We're seeing an alarming rise in suicide. This is a shredding of our constitution and a violation of our personal freedoms on an almost unprecedented level. And if you think about it, what they're doing is they are removing people of principle. They're displacing people of principle and they're replacing them with people from the bottom of the barrel who really in many cases uh, are just, they will be told what to do, you know, wear the mask, absolutely get the shot, you got it boss. They're not, they're not critical thinkers. And so we're removing critical thinkers from all of these very important parts of society and we're replacing them with people who will be easily controlled. This is a terrifying moment uh, for the nation. And I said on a Facebook Live the other day, I'm done trying to wake up the sheep. I now, my mine is a clarion call to the other lions to say, hey, get off the bench, get onto the battlefield. This country is in trouble. Our freedoms are in jeopardy. And we are surrounded in the state house and up in Washington, D.C. by weak Republicans many of them who should be every day fighting against us and we're not hearing a peep out of them and uh, i'm running to change that oh man god bless you for doing that you know um i don't know if you caught biden's speech yesterday and oh i mean i was reaching for the barf bag they must have had him uh, shot awful. up with half a dozen different drugs and they must have lectured him stay on topic read from the teleprompter and that's it uh, but when he came up with the proposal that um, the IRS can access your bank account if you have a balance of $600 or more. I mean, that's the everyday worker. Some people are lucky, you know, if they, yeah. can, if they have a thousand, $600 to them is, is a mint. And you want to access every single bank account throughout the United States if you have merely six. So what are you going to do? If you have, say, $6,000, you're going to split it up through, oh, say, 10 or 11 different bank accounts so that you don't have any more than 600 But there's a problem because now banks, if you have a minimum balance below 1000 they're going to charge you a fee. So, I mean, you're in a catch-22. This is an invasion of privacy on an extreme scale, a violation of the Constitution. Where, are, where is it where we're no longer secure in our persons with the vaccine uh, or masks uh, and our papers? Your invasion of our financial in institutions demanding to know if we – it's bad enough if you make a transaction over $10,000. You know, that gets reported right away. But you know, now down as little as six hundred dollars. This is crazy, Heidi. 
Yeah, it's crazy. And this is communism. We should start calling it what it is. I am looking right now for banks, and I'm going to publish a list of them at my, uh, at my congressional website. I'm looking for banks who are standing up to this tyranny. Uh, this, the fact that the, if the government can get into your bank account, what's to stop them from draining the money out of your account if you decide you don't want to take an experimental vaccine? What's to stop them from publishing your financial information? This is criminal. And frankly, you know, we have, we're, we're, we're sitting now under the, the direction, the, the dictatorial direction of a delusional man who obviously is somebody's puppet. And for as many of us who thought, boy, the Biden administration is going to be a disaster, never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined this constitutional overreach. The fact that they're saying this stuff now in broad daylight, these, the man's only been in there for what? What are we going on? Nine months now? Eight months? Look at the damage he has done. I don't think our republic can survive even two more years of this. No, and it's crazy. And if you have a transaction of $1,000 or more, you're going to be flagged. Now, wait a minute. I just gave a deposit for my roof to be replaced. That was $4,500. Now I'm going to be flagged because I wrote a check for that amount of yeah. money to the deposit to have my entire roof replaced. Now, because I'm doing home maintenance, I am now flagged. And you know, I'm like, what are you next thing you do? I'm going to put, be put on the no fly list. What is the next step, Heidi? We have allowed them to just trample on the constitution unbelievably well we're tired now and i think part of the the whole you know i started calling them the panic pimps you know these people who are pushing panic porn out into the culture into the mainstream culture and for 17 months now they've worn down the american population people are tired they're angry at each other you can i think you know i was speaking to some people uh not too far away from my hometown at a can at a uh, can uh, a congressional stop the other day and the weariness and the sadness, and they know that we're ripe for the picking. And so people like you and me, you know, we need to start, you know, William Wallacing all over this beautiful nation and waking up the patriots and saying, listen, the British are coming, the British are coming. Instead, instead we're saying the Bidens are coming, the Democrats are coming, the socialists are coming, and wake people up because this is what's happening. We are at the jumping off place right now. And we can talk about election fraud. We can talk about all the things that are going on in the country. But the fact of the matter is if we don't deal right now, and this is business owners, banks, if you're a bank manager or a bank owner and you're listening to this right now, do not kowtow to these communists who are literally taking over this nation and stripping away our freedoms from us one devastating mandate at a time. And it will not stop unless business owners and ordinary citizens like you and me stop complying. This is not about your health. It is about control. It is about fundamentally changing. Listen, we should have paid attention. When Barack Obama said that he wanted to fundamentally change the country, we should have believed him. We yeah. should have paid attention. But instead, you've got weak Republicans and dangerous Democrats who are sitting in the highest uh, positions of authority in this country. And we have forgotten. Today is Constitution Day, by the way. Yep. And we should be defending every single one of us, our Constitution. We have, we have the American uh, country, this, this United, these United States are a grand experiment. And I don't know, I think it was Benjamin Franklin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, who when asked what kind of a government they were given, he said, a republic if you can keep it. Yep. This is not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. And we have woefully uneducated now 
uh, for generations through our through our garbage public school system, our kids do not know the Constitution. Adults don't know the Constitution anymore. And so they're able to come in and strip our freedoms away from us. Now is the time to stand where there's not a moment to lose. And this is why I think you're going to see people like Heidi St. John running for Congress. I'm just an ordinary mom. You know, I've started three businesses and raised seven children in this amazing country. My grandkids are being raised here. This is not the country I want my grandkids or my children to inherit. And I'm going to fight like there's no tomorrow to protect it. Exactly. Exactly. And the next time anyone out there hears a talking head or a politician or someone in authority saying this democracy, shout at them and go, no, you blissful idiot. The Constitution makes us a representative republic. Our representatives are elected democratically, which means we go to the polls, our voice is heard, and we pick a person out to be our voice. It does not mean we're a democracy. A democracy is mob rule. It's 50 plus one. Yes. And it, it, there is no constitution. So it's whatever the mob decides. So if the mob decides that everyone's going to wear pink on Tuesday, if 50.1 says the new law is everyone wears pink on Tuesday, that's the law. However, in a republic, we have a foundation called a constitution. And the constitution is supreme law of the land. The only thing that is higher than that is the Bible. And this is on Constitution right. Day, and I'm waving in front of the camera one of my multiple constitu pocket constitutions I carry. I've had one in my purse since 1976, guys. So pick it up and hand it out and tell them the next time someone says a democracy, go, no, it is a republic, and we are going to fight to keep it. And you're going to fight to keep it, Heidi, which is why I love you. If I lived in the beautiful state of Washington, I would be right at your side helping you campaign. But I'm here in South Carolina. <laughs> and we have a, a congresswoman that we thought was going to be a good, strong conservative, and she's flip-flopping on us. I mean, we fought to get rid of Beer Can Joe, so now Nancy... Uh, we're a little worried about you. And it looks like we may have some strong people coming up behind her. But one of the things I want to talk to you about, because of you and your kids, education. I mean, you talked about the indoctrination of our nation. And they've been doing this with these kids. And now it's gotten to the point where they're going into our elementary schools and teaching the kids porn. I, have they stepped over the line here? Oh, well, they stepped over the line years ago. I've been at the front line for this battle for 15 years. The National Educators Association, one of the largest unions in the country, completely corrupt. This is a political arm uh, that has basically extended itself into every facet of education. They are teaching our children there's 400 genders. They're teaching them socialism and communism as, as if it were a good idea. Critical race theory is now the law in Washington state. Racist at its core, by the way. Critical race theory, uh, born in 1989, it is now 32 years old. It is a cancer that started in our universities and now has metastasized into our high schools and even into our elementary schools. Every parent within the sound of my voice needs to pull their children out of public school. I am declaring a state of emergency. And if you don't think that it's in your child's school district, you are woefully uneducated about what is actually happening. Listen, there, there, are, there are tyrannical dictators, one of the worst ever to come across this, the world, 
uh, obviously was Adolf Hitler, who said that the person who owns the youth owns the future. And as evil a man as he was, and as a wicked, a wicked leader, he understood the power of education. And these wicked leaders and these wicked people understand that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And what is happening in our schools right now, and I mean, we're just seeing it because the curtain has been pulled back, right? And these people are holding our children hostage. I was told yesterday at one of my podcasts, I have a podcast that airs five days a week, and one of the listeners called up and said, uh, hey, Heidi, in Hawaii right now, there was a class of seven-year-old, seven-year-old little girls for ballet. They are um, putting one color armband on the vaccinated and another color armband on the unvaccinated. Oh, we don't know our history. We do not understand what is happening right now. And so parents pull your children out of public school. There are a thousand different ways to educate children right now. And think of what has happened to our country. You know, when we're, we're so dependent on our second income, want to make sure that we're pursuing the American dream. Nothing wrong with that, but we have sacrificed our children on the altar of convenience and money in order to do it. And they've been all too happy to give us the opportunity. And so I am a champion and have been for 17 years for educational freedom. Parents should be able to choose. If you, uh, if you find out that your child is being discriminated against for any reason or if they're being taught critical race theory or comprehensive sex education, which goes by lots of different names, by the way, if your kid's being taught that, you should be able to go to the principal or the superintendent and say, hey, thanks for playing. I got a lovely party gift for you. It's called me withdrawing my child from your corrupt, divisive indoctrination center, and the money should follow the child. Exactly. The, the schools do not speak English. They speak money. And unless mm -hmm. and until the parents, we have to, listen, if, if we knew, we learned a lot about ourselves in the Rona, right? If, if we knew that there was a virus in our schools that had even a 4% chance of mortality, the parents would pull their kids out yesterday. They wouldn't even think about it. We wouldn't be talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic. We'd be talking about saving our child's life. Well, I'm here to tell you that the virus that has infected our schools has a much higher mortality rate than that. And the thing that's dying is the country. The thing that's dying is morality. The thing that's dying is our families. And that is what is happening to this amazing country that we live in. And ground zero for the fight against this country and to take our freedoms away is the public school system. Pull your kids out. Ooh, you go, girl. Amen. <laughs> you go. There's a fire in your belly, and that's what we need in Congress. <laughs> there is a fire. Oh, man. And here's a little note of history, folks. Who invented preschool and kindergarten? Think of the word kinder. It is the German word for child. Kindergarten, the child's garden. It was Adolf Hitler who created kindergarten, which we copied. We're the ones that defeated the Nazis, and we were dumb enough to copy the very indoctrination thing that Hitler created to do the indoctrination. Doi, folks. Kids were taught a lot more at home before they went to school. And we've, we've got to start changing the model. But, you know, as you said, it's about the money. It's all about the Benjamins. And if you follow it back, it's about the Benjamins. And if you can control the children, control the indoctrination, you control the future, and you control your future revenues. It's as simple as that. And, I mean, it, it's even as bad as where they now have the... Um, Drag queen children hour in the public libraries. Oh, my goodness. I had to explain that to my mom. And she was like, what? And I said, yeah. And the parents sit there with the kids while they have this 
children's hour by these drag queens, and half the time their you-know-what is hanging out somewhere. It is, it is what they have done to our society is remove morality. And you remove morality, Heidi, anything goes, right? Yeah, you remove morality, and it's pretty much over at that point. And I don't, I do not believe, and I, I want people to hear, I do think that there's hope, but it's going to take every single one of us. You know, we are the nation, remember, that rebelled against King George. We are the ones who said, absolutely not, no taxation without representation. We're not putting up with this anymore. Meet me in the, meet me in the Boston Harbor at midnight, and we're going to teach you a lesson that you'll never forget. That's what needs to happen right now. People that love this country have to stop sitting at home in the evenings drinking a beer and watching Netflix and starting to go to meetings of their city council, starting to get involved in the political process, going to school board meetings, writing letters, calling people, getting the word out. We've got to have some Paul Revere's around this country right now who realize the very real and present danger that is facing this nation right now. And I believe if we can do that, if we can if we can muster the patriotism of Americans who love this country and see what's happening, I believe our best days are ahead of us because we can upend the system and set it back on the track that the founding fathers gave us. We have allowed the radical left far too much power for far too long, and really they have gained it through our education system. I think the education system is going to have to be upended, and we're going to have to give parents choice, and we're going to have to start over again. But we can do it. We can do it. My my uh, hope springs eternal in Heidi St. John for this great nation. There are wonderful hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that live here, that love this country and want to see it succeed, that they, they fear the Lord and want to turn away from evil. They want to teach their children to be responsible citizens and to love their neighbor as themselves. There are lots of us that are ready and willing to do that right now. Now is the time. Now is the time. We've got to start today. Well, you're so right. You do have to go. And I don't have kids, but I do pay the school taxes. So even if you don't have kids, I wasn't blessed. Yes, you do. You pay the taxes. And you said, well, I, I pay it on my vehicle, but that's or on my house. So I don't see. It. No, every single goods and services you utilize in your town, your county, your state, you are paying school taxes because that loaf of bread yep, has right. to come in. So your school taxes are attached to the vehicle the driver is using, the gas, his salary. It's, it's all the way on up. So, yes, you pay school taxes over and over and over every single day. And um, you've yes. got to get involved. Now, you would love it. I went to... Um, I wasn't able to go physically, so I had to do it virtually, a school board meeting uh, that they popped up last minute. And I had a friend of mine, you know, text me, you got to get online, you got to get online. So they had a whole row of people speaking, you know, virtually. And I, it was my turn, so I turn around and I start my rant. And um, one of the school board members said, well, how many children in our state have died from COVID because they went to school? So I did quickly a little Google search, and I said, well, we've got 1.8 million children that are school-aged, and since the outbreak of COVID first started, total number of deaths of children of school age, doesn't mean it's school-related, but of school age that died from COVID, out of 1.8 million was two. And then I started tearing into them, and I said, every single one of you that votes for this mandate 
We're going to know who you are. And when you come up for re-election, we will put people out there. We will run them against you and you will lose your seat. And not only will you lose your seat, we will make sure that you never hold a position of authority in this county ever again. Not on the school board, not on the county council. You won't even be elected to dog catcher, much less street sweeper. We will take your seats away. And you're going to have to learn how to make an honest living. And well said the next thing, you know, as soon as I got done, I said, thank you and God bless America. They cut the feed. Heidi, you would have laughed. Yeah. They cut the feed. They suddenly decided without even a yeah. word of acknowledgement or anything, the feed got cut. And I said, next thing you know, executive session. <laughs> I chased the school board away. Yep. <laughs> well, they're they're not they're not prepared they're not prepared to deal with people like you. They're not used to people standing up for their freedom. They're not used to people challenging them. That's how we got this disgusting critical race theory and comprehensive sex ed in the schools. They just figure they could do whatever they want. They think the kids belong to them. They know better than you do because they're smarter than you are. And the fact of the matter is, people need to start being bold and telling the truth. Our children are not at high risk for this disease. The disease has a 99.9% .9 recovery rate. Why isn't that the headline on every newspaper and every online article comes out? Oh, I'll tell you why, because they want you to be afraid. They know that people who are afraid are much easier to control. And so I've been telling people for a long time now, I had a check in my spirit at the beginning of this thing. And I was like, something is terribly wrong. And I was mocked for it and roundly criticized. Now here we are 17 months later. And I know that more and more and more people are waking up. We have, I have watched as school uh, parents have gone before school boards around the country, including my own state here in Washington. And the school boards have cut off their microphones. They have run the people out of the building. These guys are cowards and tyrants and they need to be removed. And everyone thinks, oh, you know, we're so afraid of public speaking. Listen, the only thing that is necessary for these people to continue this tyrannical regime in the United States is for good people and people of conscience and integrity to do nothing and to remain silent. The only thing they need at this point is our silence. Well, I'm not going to give it to them. You're not going to give it to them. And I know that there are thousands of other people who are feeling exactly the same way that we are. And that's why I, start, that's why I ran for Congress. You know, well, I didn't run for Congress because I need the job or the platform, I ran for this reason. Well, Heidi, well, if I was there, I'd be voting for you and campaigning next to you. People can go to your website, Heidi St. John, that's ST, Heidi ST John for Congress.com. They can also uh, check out your podcast, your radio show at Heidi St. John.com. Also, there's a link on the show page. You're running for Congress for the state of Washington out of District 3. You, you got our vote. <laughs> but if people even don't live in Washington, they can still go to your website and give you support by a donation. Your five, ten dollars. Hey, that's how Ted Cruz got elected. Heidi, I wish you good luck and I welcome you back anytime. You you want to call in call in and we'll have a great time i can't wait i'll keep it in my i'll keep it in my cell phone thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it oh god bless heidi and have a great weekend heidi st john check her out heidi st john for congress.com and heidi st john.com and we've got our next victim up in the bullpen he's also running for congress out of the communist state of new jersey I was smart. I fled New York. He's still up in New Jersey fighting there. But welcome aboard. And I'm probably going to mispronounce your last name. Billy Prempa? 
But that's actually correct. Billy Prempa, that is correct. Oh, thank you. Uh, I was... That's true. This is, this, unfortunately, even though it sounds like a funny joke, it's kind of sadly becoming true that they're trying to slip this country into some kind of a communist uh, state. Yeah, especially since you're in the Patterson, New Jersey area, and my mom is from uh, New Jersey coast out <laughs> of Red Bank. So I'm familiar with the area, and I am sorry to see the state of New York and New Jersey go into such decay. And you got your hands full in trying to run for the seat against an incumbent that you raced before once before. How is the race going? So the race is actually going quite well. Last year when we ran in 2020, it was myself and about 12 people and several supporters. Uh, despite the small amount that we raised, we created such a significant movement that we got more votes than any Republican ever in the ninth district. And the way we did that was by targeting unaffiliated voters and the people who haven't voted in years. Many people are not voting because there's no Republican influence in our district. They've seen Democrats for well over four decades. They've gone the exact, they've been voting for the exact same policies, and it's not benefiting them. The Republican outreach is what's necessary to actually flip these districts red. And I'm one of these few candidates that's willing to go where no Republican has ever gone before. And that's why my race, my race was able to be very successful. Well, in terms of growing new, in terms of getting new numbers, it was very successful for a small seven-month campaign. We accomplished quite a lot. We started campaigning early this year, and we're looking to continue moving forward into 2020, into uh, 2022. We're bringing new ideas to the table, ideas that I believe can significantly change our district. Because one of the things that I believe will help us is benefiting. I mean, one of the, one of the ways that I believe our, our people will be able to benefit is by bulking up our education system. And by bulking up, I don't mean throwing more money at it, because that's how our school boards get overloaded. And our children are not learning the skills necessary to be successful in society. When I grew up, you went to school, you went to college, you go into debt, and there's nothing to show for it. What I want to do is I want to take our schools to the next level. The same way school choice schools are, are able to offer a better education, I want to turn our public schools into career superhighways. The way we're going to do that is by partnering with businesses, entrepreneurs, and experts in their field and creating partnerships where they can work with our schools and educate the next generation of carpenters, plumbers, CPAs, IT experts, and so forth. I'm also looking to fund our police and defend our communities. While the Democrats have been pushing to, de to defund our police, they've made our communities extremely violent, especially my city, Patterson, New Jersey, where violent crime is up 72%, the highest wow. ever been. Our, our police departments are super underfunded. They're down 170 police officers. They're not at maximum capacity. Our officers are overworked, and drugs and violence is running rampant through our communities. I want to build a communication pipeline between the community and our police officers so we can work cohesively and get rid of the crime inside of our community, as well as putting an end to the bail reform program that allows criminals to get locked up, come right back out onto our streets, and repeat effect. So the final thing that I would like to do with our, well, there's two final things that I'd like to do for when I get into Congress. Number one is I'd like to continue where our President Trump left off and create super opportunities all inside the nice district. We have hundreds, if not thousands, of vacant, massive buildings that are unused and they're running derelict and there's nothing to do with them. I want to create partnerships with large corporations such as Assault, GE, Boeing, and bring these manufacturing jobs back to the ninth district where they belong. They've been here for many years and it just became cheaper to move them to Mexico and move them to China after the NAFTA agreement was created. 
I want to bring these businesses back to our community and create tax incentives for these business owners to hire people inside of our communities and give them tax incentives so that people can work work for their company or work for their uh, work for their company as well as increase their standard of living. You combine that with a better education, safe community, and people have opportunities. We're not going to have so many people that are fleeing outside of the ninth district. We're going to have more people inside of the ninth district that are bringing productivity to a different level, and we want to make this a place where people want to live and not a place where people want to flee. And finally, the last thing that I want to do is put an end to systemic political corruption. While they tell us that systemic racism is a problem that's played in the inner cities, it's not true. We voted the exact same way. We got the exact same problems because of systemic political corruption. What's happening now is we have a congressman who's been in there for over 24 years. He's got a son that works as a multi-million dollar lobbyist inside of D.C. that sells access to his father, no different than Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. I want to put an end to that. I want to end the nepotism. Politicians should not be able to sell access to their, to their uh, political influence for money and their own personal gain. It doesn't benefit our people, and there's no reason why our congressman should be one of the top 10 richest people out of 430-plus uh, congresspeople inside of uh, Washington, D.C. One of the ways that we're going to put an end to this is pushing for term limits. One of the term limit plans that I have, I call it the 8, 10, 12 plan. The president can't do more than eight years. Congressmen can't do more than 10 years. And senators can't do more than 12. When we have a plan like this in place, corruption is at a much, more, at a much smaller level. There's no reason why someone should be in Congress for 20-plus years and not get anything accomplished. Because at that point, you no longer represent the people. You represent the D.C. swamp. You're only going to do what benefits you, the lobbyists, and the corporations that are in their back pocket. We don't need politicians. We need civil servants, people that are going to benefit the people and put money in the pockets rather than their own. Well, you know, they do accomplish one thing by being in there for 20 years or more. They fatten their bank accounts at our expense. You know, things that would be illegal Absolutely. for us with insider trading, they get away with because they are elected officials. Uh, that has to stop also. Um, but some of the other issues that you have on your on your website, and this is important because you are a Air Force veteran. Thank you for your service, sir. And my co-host is a Navy veteran. So I can probably throw this out to both of you, uh, Curtis and uh, to Billy. All right. Um, we have the situation in Afghanistan. And I have never seen a drawdown like this. It has broken every single rule in the book. We've left Americans behind the lines. Our congressmen that are working hard to get them home. Uh, we have special units, retirees that are going over, crossing over and helping to rescue these things. Uh, what would you do as a congressman uh, about this Afghan situation? Well, first things first, we shouldn't be in this situation to begin with. Uh, many people didn't agree with the war, but regardless, we're inside there. We have Americans that are trapped, and we have some Afghan allies that are trapped out there. I would have never pulled our troops out of that country in the way that Joe Biden did. This is a, this is a conversation that shouldn't even be happening. This is something that Barack Obama did when he was pulling out of the Middle East. He left behind billions of dollars of ammo and weapons and equipment that ISIS eventually took over. This is far worse because now we're dealing with a terrorist state. We're not dealing with a terrorist group like, like Taliban anymore. We're dealing with a terrorist state now. Now they have Apache helicopters. Now they have MRAPs, Humvees, M4s. They're wearing our clothing, and they're using our weapons to, to harm the people in their community. That's going to get far worse. 
this is this was purely done, in my opinion, to benefit the military-industrial complex. Because mark my words, the next generation is going to have to deal with a highly advanced terrorist organization now that is now being supported by the Chinese government. So I don't believe that 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 this is something that should have happened. What I would do when I was in Congress, and I'm not certain as to why people aren't pushing. I'm not for this in Congress, but impeachment proceedings should begin immediately. If I were in Congress right now, I would push for impeachment proceedings of not just Joe Biden, but the entire Joe Biden administration. This is more than just an oversight. 13 Americans died unnecessarily in a situation that should, they should have never been in They should have never been in to begin with. If you're going to draw down, you remove the civilians first, you remove the equipment, you remove the military, and you keep a close eye on that country to ensure that things go according to plan and the Afghan army, the, the, the Afghan army is able to maintain control of the country. You don't pull out in the way that you did. We basically gave them free weapons. We basically gave them enough to start their own military and wage war against anyone that they want in the Middle East. More likely than not, at some point, they may try and launch a terrorist attack on Israel. This time, it'll be a little bit more sophisticated, unfortunately. God forbid something like that happens to any country, though. So Joe, uh, the, the, the Trump administration, Donald Trump was impeached over a phone. The January 6th situation happened, and they impeached him after he was president. To show just how ridiculous and absurd Congress has become, Congress has become a swamp. This is exactly why I believe we need to end this aesthetic political corruption that allows people to think in this way. They're not thinking for the best interests of the people. They can impeach the president for a phone call, looking into Joe Biden, who was doing some very shady things, using the full power of his executive office as vice president, through his son Hunter Biden. The president asking a question to try and find out if something was going on, as he should, as president, it is, it is his, his job to maintain the national security of our country and our safety. Him doing his job got him impeached. Joe Biden being derelict in his job, as well as Kamala Harris, because she's not innocent to this as well, too. She's the vice president. She should have known better to tell the president that this was a horrible mistake and this was going to happen in the way that it did. We shouldn't be down 13 troops. They shouldn't have died in this way. They should have never been in a situation where they're left vulnerable. And this happened. And we're going to have to deal with this. In Congress, if I was there, impeachment proceedings, I'd be the first to push it forward. Wow. Now, and I would agree. Absolutely. I would agree that this this should have never happened. You never take your forces out before you take the the innocent and you know vulnerable out of the um, situation, um, like they found over in Afghanistan. And and it's true. I don't believe anyone will take the heat for this. No one will be held accountable, and that's the sad thing. We we lost 13 lives of some of our best, and not not counting those who are still there, trapped and being abused and tortured, raped and um, beheaded. You know, it's unconscionable that this will happen to the superpower, the greatest superpower on the planet, being um, pushed around by third world countries. Um, it, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's like waking up and being in a twilight zone. This would never happen under Trump. But it seems like every time we're in Democrat leadership control mode, we lose wars and we are embarrassed as a, a nation. And, and, and every once in a while, somebody like a Reagan or Trump has to come along and restore our prestige in the world. Um, I'm hopeful that we can do very well in the midterms coming up so at least we can put the brakes 
And I think this is is why they're going way out right now because I think they kind of feel or suspect that they may lose the midterms because if we we get the overwhelming majority in the midterms, we can put the brakes on some of this this nonsense. That's my feel. To piggyback, to piggyback on what you said, it's not that we hopefully we will turn the tide in the midterms. We absolutely have to turn the tide in the midterms. There's no option. And the only way we're going to do that is, for one, we have to hold not just our elected officials accountable, but we have to hold ourselves accountable and become, and become proactive in our electoral process. We need people that are watching the polls. We need people that are ensuring that things are being done legally and they're following it the right way. They claim that Russia's hacking. They claim that China's hacking, yet... The hardest part about this is it's, it's difficult to prove because not enough people are, are proactive in the process to ensure that something like this doesn't happen in the first place. So our first line of defense is us actually getting to the poll booths. Our second line of defense is actually watching the polls, watching the elections, and ensuring that things are done legally and effectively. We've seen countless videos of ballots being lost in different areas. In fact, in my district, uh, the ninth district, we had several ballots that were dumped behind the dumpster in North Arlington and many other the situations of fraud that happened just for the 2020 cycle. So who's to say that they won't be able to pull this off again? We can go rah-rah and we're going to win and we got to go red all we want. But until we get proactive, because the Democrats are very proactive, they're very sophisticated, and they're doing this a lot. So the only way we're going to win this is we have to support our candidates, donate it to our candidates, and actually become proactive in the process. Until we do that, they're going to continue to treat this country like Venezuela, and they're going to continue to steal elections. Well, I could also say, you know, get involved in your local GOP. You know, if if you become a precinct executive uh, uh, committee person, you, when you go to the GOP meetings, are the one that sets the policy. You're the one that votes on the resolutions. You are the one that forms the no- nucleus of your local GOP. So if you think your local GOP is run by rhinos... Get yourself in a position where you can change that. When I joined my local GOP and I became my precinct executive committee woman, I had someone ask me, she was a former state congresswoman. She goes, well, Ann, why are you doing this? And I says, I want to bring back the GOP to the conservative mind. And she got so insulted. And I says, no, these guys are swinging too far left. We've got to bring them back. And that's why I'm joining. And we have. It takes time. It's not going to be done overnight, but it doesn't start until you get involved. If you don't want to do that, find out if they have a phone bank. And most of these new phone banks, you can call from the comfort of your own Archie Bunker chair. You don't have to go anywhere. You can have a beer in one hand and make the calls to help get the candidates, get people out to vote for the candidates. You know, we can do it. And it it, it only starts with one person taking that step. Pick up that phone. And find out what positions are open. I've got a lot of noise coming in the background. I don't know what's going on, uh, but I got a lot of interference. Here. Uh, all right, but you know, um, you got to get involved. Like Heidi was saying, you go to the school board meetings, you go to your council meetings, you find out about your candidates, and don't forget that this year, this November third, there is an election. It's an off-year election, and this is where the clowns will slip the nastiest stuff onto those ballots. And if you don't get out there and vote it down, you're going to be stuck, and you're going, what the heck happened here? I didn't know. But you got to know, Billy. You have to know. You have to be involved. 
you know, and that is what you have been doing. You've been getting out there. If people look at your website, which is your name, Billy Pre. Oh, good Lord. I just messed it up. Last name is spelled P-R-E-M-P-E-H, Billy P-R-E-M-P-E-H.com. And they can see what you have been doing, getting involved in the community, getting out there, talking to people. And that's important to know what they want. Um, something else I wanted to ask you about, because you are former military, uh, about these forced vaccinations. They're trying to force first the military. And there is a lawsuit. I know about that. Now our first responders, there's also lawsuits coming out about that. But now they want to segregate the society of those that are vaxxed and those that are unvaxxed. What would you do in Congress to stop this? Did we lose Billy? Billy, Curtis? I'm still here. Oh, okay. I'm still here. Sorry about that. Okay. First things first. First things first, uh, when the pandemic was happening, when the pandemic was happening at its height in 2020, everybody was behind the EMS, they were behind the police, they were behind the fire department, they were behind our military, and the people that put their lives out there and kept us safe while this bioweapon ravaged all across the world. Now that they're trying to push for this vaccine mandate, they're forcing everybody to do it at the, at the stake of potentially losing their job and losing their livelihood. They were good when they needed them with no masks, and they were wearing the same N95s for weeks on end because of the lack of supplies. But now that we have a little bit of an understanding of how this virus works, they're forcing everybody to take this vaccine, whether they like it or not, regardless of their religious choices, regardless of their health conditions or their health concerns. They're just essentially saying everyone must take this, whether they like it or not. And they're doing this to our military. We still don't know what the long-term effects of this vaccine are. I'll be completely honest, while President Trump uh, brags about the, the vaccine and how we got it done in under two years. In my opinion, that's not something to be happy about because I want to see studies. I want to see that what we're putting into our bodies will be effective. We have people taking these vaccines, one dose, two dose, sometimes three doses, and they're still having breakthrough cases. People are still getting sick. I know several people personally that are having neurological issues with their body. Some of them are having erratic periods and so forth. So with these things happening right now, who's to say what would happen? The same way you have the choice to take a specific medication. There may be risks, there may be side effects, and I totally understand that. You at least have the choice to take that or not. Now they're making it difficult for anybody to even go to work and put food on their table. Even more so, in the state of New York, I put a tweet up uh, not too long ago on Twitter where I was talking about how uh, black Americans between the ages of 18 and 44, less than 28% of them have been vaccinated. So over 70% of African Americans are going to be shut out of businesses. They're not going to be able to interact with society unless they undergo this medical procedure that the government is mandating against them. So if this is what's being happened, if this is what's happening, it's not just affecting African Americans, but they're one of the largest people that's affecting. This is Jim Crow all over again. And I like to call this Jim Crow 2.0. The difference is they're not, they're not discriminating against you because of your skin color. They're discriminating against you based on your medical status. You know, it violates the HIPAA Act. It violates the American with Disabilities Act. And I don't I don't see why no one has gone after that aspect in any lawsuit. You know, you're asking me if I've been vaccinated. I'm sorry. That violates the HIPAA Act right there. Um, I am disabled, but you're not going to allow me to use your services and facilities where you allow any other person that is vaccinated vaccinated. So now, because I'm disabled, you're now violating the American with Disabilities Act. There are penalties. Some, uh, some of them even come up with jail time if you violate either one of these acts. But no one is 
adhering to the letter of the law, and they're making it up, <coughs> excuse me, making it up as they, they go. And where in the Constitution does it say that government is in charge of our health care? I've been arguing this with the onset of Obamacare and Hillary Care. Where is it in the enumerated powers, Billy, that says government has the right to tell us what to do with our bodies? It's not in there. But what is in there is, is in our United States Constitution that people have the right to uh, freedom and the pursuit of happiness. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to strip that away from you while scaring the public and telling them that if you don't do this, you're going to affect people and you're going to get people sick. There's people that have taken the procedure and they're still getting sick and they're also still spreading it to other people as well, too. So we don't even know if this 100% works. While there may be a few anecdotal studies here and there that say that it reduces the effects but it'll prevent you from dying, they want people to constantly take a bunch of these booster shots and keep this going. The way that I'm looking at this right now, this is looking like a big giant pharma scan. Yep. Somebody's got to be getting paid from all these vaccines. Thank you. When it gets down to the point, when it gets down to the point where Sam Adams, a unhealthy beverage beer, is is, is advertising and saying, "I'll give you a free beer if you take this shot," or McDonald's will give you a ten dollar gift card if you take this shot, or Shake Shack will give you a free set of fries if you take this shot. And I've even seen a couple of strip clubs. If you take this vaccine, you'll get a free lap dance. All these negative things that are very enticing to the mind that are being used to, to uh, essentially uh, bribe and convince people to take this procedure, it scares me. Because anything that the government gives you for free, it always comes with a cost. My question is, whose money, who is, who is getting paid off, and where is this money coming from? Every time, we, we can always criticize Big Pharma throughout my lives, maybe people that I see that are now 100% advocates for this vaccine, and criticized Big Pharma for taking advantage of the people by putting drugs like Percocet into the market. It now affects several children or Ritalin and overdrugging our children. But now we can suddenly 100% trust them and say, hey, we're going to go and take this because the doctor said so without question whatsoever. Something that was created in under two years, rushed to the public, rushed through to the FDA, and now everybody's putting it in their bodies because their favorite celebrities, the blue check marks on Twitter, the television, the media, and everybody is saying to do so. I'm not telling anybody not to go out and take this vaccine. If you believe that this is something you want to take and you, you think that it's, it's in your best interest to do so, you have every right to do what you want to do if you think it's best for your health. What you, what you shouldn't do is force people and bully people and scare people into doing something simply because you feel it's going to keep you protected. If you've taken the vaccine, you should be fine. If you believe someone is unvaccinated and they're not safe, and that's their prerogative. And if that's the case, why are you afraid if you've taken that vaccine? People should be free to do whatever they want to do, and people should be free to make the medical to make the medical decisions that they choose to make. Amen. Amen. It's in the Constitution. You should be secure in your person and papers, and you should be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. So they're actually basically seizing your body, deciding what to put inside it. And then you have to carry a vaccination passport. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where do I have to give you my medical information? Why? What, what, what gives you the right to have that? They don't. So it's unconstitutional. And today is Constitution Day. Um, it's unconstitutional. And it's actually completely immoral. I mean, as you said, we don't know what's in this vaccine, what the side effects are. But we're starting to see them. You talk about neurological orders. Uh, uh, d disorders, but there's also reports of women miscarrying, uh, sterility in both men and women, uh, cases of AIDS 
from the vaccination. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, the the RNA in the uh, virus is spliced with the AIDS virus. So you stand a good chance of developing AIDS, if not today, maybe a few years down the line. So now you ha- what do you have to do now? Get tested for AIDS every year? It, it is a medical horror story that we're seeing unfold before our very eyes and no one's talking about it. And that's a sorry thing. But, you know, the unconstitutionality that we're seeing is 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 flabbergasting coming out of this administration. I mean, Obama did everything with the stroke of a pen, bypassing Congress, and no one said a word. And we've got the same thing with the crazy Uncle Joe. Where do we hold them to the Constitution? You know, as for the as for the, the, the AIDS being in the vaccine, that I don't know. I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to uh, really make that claim. But at the end of the day, uh, what I believe is if people want to go and choose to do what they want to do, it's a free country. Go and do whatever it is that you want to do that you think is going to make safe. Um, but when it comes down to governors and Joe Biden forcing these kinds of mandates on people, forcing masks on children, even though the studies are very anecdotal and show that cotton cotton these stylish very pretty masks that people put on their faces that you would never wear in the hospital people are wearing these anyway and they're forced to do so as if it's going to make some kind of medical difference in protecting people and the science just shows that that's not the case it's just more like a comfort blanket that people are putting on themselves when you're forcing people to do this because you believe it'll make them safe it, it really does nothing for us but actually add on to more fear and it scares the people into making irrational decisions I just think that people should do their research. They should look into things. And if they feel that it's appropriate, they can go right ahead and do it. But if they feel that it's inappropriate, they, should, they don't have to do it if they don't want to. But to force somebody else, somebody that you don't know, somebody who has a completely different life, different beliefs, or whatever it is that they want to do with their lives, you should not be allowed to force people to do that. And that's what our government is doing. This is what communist governments do. This is what tyrannical governments do. All the things that they seem to, to convince Donald Trump of being, being a tyrant, being a... A, a, a dictator. These are all the things that the Joe Biden administration has done thus far. Yet you don't see anything or hear anything from the left. In fact, some of the most vocal Biden supporters that I saw in 2020 are now very quiet because they themselves are not satisfied with the direction our country is going in. Nobody saw this coming except for some of the people that were paying attention to what Joe Biden was doing. The true tyranny is here in the United States, and we have to constantly fight against it because the, the freedom that we have it can slip away at any moment. It's been slipping away, especially every time someone says the word, this is a democracy. I want to slap them across the back of the head. It is not. It is a democratically elected republic, a representative republic. And there's a huge difference between a democracy, mob rule, 50 plus one, and a republic following the Constitution and the law. In a democracy, the law is whatever goes. In a republic, it's what is based upon our founding document, the Constitution, and that's why today is Constitution Day, and I'm going to talk about it all day, which is what you do also, you know, hold people to the Constitution, because you came here, uh, not you, but your parents came here legally, and now we are being overrun by illegal aliens who are being offered amnesty and a lot of these have criminal records. They're members of gangs, and they're being set free in our nation. And we're destroying our nation from the inside out. How do we stop this? Well, the way that we stop it is by securing our country. Um, even in the state of New Jersey, we cre- we have this refugee crisis that was created by Joe Biden. It should have never happened to begin with. 
Yet we have thousands of people coming into the United States from Afghanistan, none of them vaccinated, and this is something that they're forcing on the American people. We just recently saw uh, the White House press secretary, uh, Jen Psaki, ask, uh, the American people are expected to take this vaccination. What about the uh, refugees that are coming into the United States? They're not being forced to take this vaccine. And her response was yes, and she immediately moved on to the next question. So it's rules for thee, not for me. Yep. They're not holding these people to the same account, yet we're importing them by the hundreds of thousands into our country. And we're not even assessing the safety risks. We don't know who these people are. Most of the people that are coming into this country are middle-aged people that are in that are, that are still of military age, most of them being men. And we don't know what the, what, what the reasons that they may have. We don't know who's who or who's been vetted. Now, while we have all these people from Afghanistan coming into the United States, I find it crazy that we have so many of them being spread all across our nation, but they forgot to go and get most of the Americans that are still stuck there to this day. And it seems like Joe Biden is not returning at any point. He left our people to die. And for this reason, I believe he needs to be 100% impeached. He's choosing other people over his own, over the own interests of the American people, and choosing their, and choosing other uh, nations rather than our own. Well, I know Congress has started to the movement to do an investigation into General Milley. Um, personally, he should be brought before a court martial. I've never seen such a limp wrist uh, military leader in my history, and I was married to a Marine. I've never seen anything as bad as this. You know, if you were sitting in Congress, would you be then convening a board? Absolutely. Simple answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, straightforward. Absolutely. Well, you know, they, they have this social engineering they've been trying on the military for years. President Obama actually took all of the good, solid leaders out. He made them all retire, or he found a way to get rid of them one way or another, and then he instilled his own leaders in all of the branches of the service. Um, we, we need to clean this out, clean out the house, and bring back strong leaders. This social engineering that they're doing, oh, I'm sorry, I understand white rage. Excuse me? Uh, I look at it this way, Billy. God does not make mistakes. God chose me to be who I am at this moment, the same way he chose you. It's whether or not we adhere to God's principles, his teachings, and support our Constitution. But, you know, that's not how people look. You, know, you have to still be identified by the color of their skin. That's not what Martin Luther King Jr. fought for and died for, is it? No, not at all. And one of the things that makes America great is the fact that there's so many people from many different nations. And despite the very short lifespan of America, America has been here for less than 300 years. And the United States has found a way for people to come all together, no matter where they're from or what they believe in. The one thing that they all share and, and fall under is the United States Constitution that grants rights to all people and allows people to be themselves and unite under the American flag. Not many nations have been able to accomplish this in such a short period of time, and America has done it the best. That's why people, even from England, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Germany, and many other first world nations still make the journey to come to the United States because you can't do anything like we can do in the United States. And yet they want to turn us into the country they left. And that's not how it works. We should be a melting pot, not a multi-whatever-cultural salad bowl. It, it doesn't work that way. I agree. 
Well, Billy, yeah, I know you got yourself a Billy busy schedule. I wish you a lot of luck. People can find you on the internet by your name. There's a link on the show page. They can click on it. Billy Prempa, P-R-E-M-P-E-H dot com. Uh, you're running for the 9th Congressional District out of New Jersey. And as I said before, even if people don't live in your district, they can still go onto your website and give you support. Even $5, like I said, that's how Ted Cruz got himself elected. That $5 means a lot towards your campaign. $10, $20, whatever they can, they can give you support. Every single bit counts because what I'm running up against, I'm running against a big time machine, a 24 year incumbent. This guy has a very sophisticated machine that I'm running up against. Like I said, despite that, we made very significant strides last year. Right now we're in a midterm election where it's just going to be me and him in the woods by ourselves. No handicap advantage of Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It's just me and him and every single bit counts. Your support benefits us. If you guys would like to volunteer and phone bank for us, you could also volunteer on the website when you go to billyprepad.com and click the volunteer section. When you make a donation to us, you allow us to be able to spread our reach far and wide. We're able to run commercials, get signs, get, get uh, uh, um, uh, palm cards, and so much more to actually help the campaign. So every single bit counts. Don't feel that your insignificant donation isn't going to help. It absolutely does. If you can max out, that would be fantastic if it's within your means to do so. So if you'd like to do that, like she stated, you can go to www.billyprempbed.com. That's Papa Romeo Echo, Michael Papa Echo Hotel.com. Well, Billy, good luck and God bless you for the hard work you do. I love your website. You have so Thank much you energy. So much, man. All right. Good luck. Thank you. Check check it out. God check bless. out. Thank you. Check out the link on the webpage. As a matter of fact, I always try to put a link on each one of our guests so you can always check out them after you're listening and as you're listening in the uh, archives. We're waiting for Mark Tapscott to uh, call in, um, but he usually gets his head buried in something he forgets. <laughs> so he still, has oh, about, wow. <laughs> he still has about 20 minutes to uh, call in. But anyway, we have so much more to talk about. And um, I had mentioned about uh, the virus and I've been doing a lot of research. And as I said, I had friends of mine that were um, missionaries in the Wuhan province when all this was breaking out. And the deeper I delve into it, the more the background that I'm coming up with is really scary. And we're going to have a guest next well, week. Annie. And she's going to help talk about this because I sent her a bunch of emails and we were going back and forth like crazy last night. And she's saying everything I've been saying. Go ahead, Curtis. Yeah, you mentioned something about um, AIDS. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell me, um, can you explain that again about that, that component of the uh, vaccine? All right. The AIDS mm -hmm. connection. When the virus first broke out uh, or was announced mm -hmm. by the UN and recognized by who finally in January, February, late into March, there World is a... Health Organization. I forget what his name it was. I talked about this and I read the article on air uh, shortly after it came out there is a peace a nobel peace prize winner uh scientist in france he got the nobel peace prize back in 2008 uh, his last name begins with an m and it just evades me at the moment um he broke down the virus he actually went to his lab and got a sample of it and then began to analyze it and when he analyzed it he said uh, one of several things. He goes, first off, um, this could not have come from an animal. 
this could not have been transmitted from an animal. It's obviously, it was not from whatever RNA he was looking at. And he said, secondly, it's very visible where he could see where the AIDS virus was spliced in to the COVID virus. He says, the only way the AIDS virus could attach to this is if it was man-made, if it was put in there by a scientist, if it was done in a lab, the only way the AIDS virus could get attached, it had to be man-made. So it's not in the vaccine, it's in the, it's a, a component of the actual No, it's actually, virus. actually in order to get you to have the uh, antibodies for this specific virus, they have to inject you with the virus, which contains AIDS. And people are getting AIDS from the vaccine. There are documented documented accounts that makes sense. of people coming down with AIDS. Now, if you have, say, 45 or 50% of the population now being vaccinated, the only way this vaccine works, it's not the same way as if for a flu shot. It's a completely different type of vaccine. This attaches to your body's DNA and alters your DNA to cause your body to react to this virus, which is a DNA-based virus. It's not a germ that causes the cold or the flu. It is a DNA-altering virus. So if you get the virus naturally, your body is going to naturally react better than getting the vaccine. And that is why people that are getting the vaccine are coming down with COVID because now they're susceptible to the virus. And what this COVID virus did when they engineered it, they made it so once your body rejects it and says, all right, this variant isn't working, the virus learns and it mutates. And that's why you're getting these variants. But because you've got the virus naturally, your body's reacting to it, says, all right, you're mutating. I understand the mutate. I'm changing. So that way they're going to reject you. And every time it mutates, you're going to reject it and you're not going to get sick. Or if, even if you do get sick, it's going to be very mild. But if you've got the vaccine, you're only safe with only one variant. And that's why they're telling you to go back for these shots. So that way you get immunity to a new variant. Your body does not react naturally the way God intended it to do. That's why I'm calling it the mark of the beast. They're actually changing you into something other than what I call human. And if you got the vaccine, that was your choice. I'm not anti-vaccine if you believe it's going to work for you. I just want you to have the facts. And these are all facts I've pulled up. There is a uh, scientist uh, who actually identified the AIDS virus. His name is Dr. Robert Maloney. Uh, you can find him. He's got several articles and TV videos up on the Epic Times. In matter of fact, he's got one recently, just this, I believe, past week. Not this, not the one that came out this Wednesday, but the one prior Wednesday. Uh, you can pull it up, Dr. Robert Maloney. And he talks about this. And he says how he identified in the virus the ability for it to mutate. And he says how the vaccines really aren't working because it actually is altering your body and making you susceptible to being infected again. 
and he does an extensive series on this that you can find over at the Epic Times. And he's not the only scientist out there saying the very same things. And I'm probably going to find this video pulled down off of YouTube and Facebook. I'll probably find myself banned on oh, Twitter yeah. soon. Uh, oh, yeah. But I want you to have the facts in hand. And as I said, we're finding cases of sterility. Uh, we're finding cases of men with uh, problems with their manhood, of gross swelling in certain areas. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, what is, what, what's that, 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 that nut job on CNN? Joy Reid uh, made a rather uh, obscene comment, and it dealt with uh, Ted Cruz. Oh, I'm sure because this guy has this problem, Ted Cruz wants to go down and, and take a look to see how big they are, insinuating that Ted Cruz is gay. And she's a huge homophobe, uh, but because she's the star, she's not losing her job. Heaven forbid I say something like this. I'll find myself banned on every single social network possible. But uh, you, you got to know the facts, folks. You got to know the facts. Well, As a matter of fact, I, I've got a clip I want to play, and this is scary. Let me get it up, Curtis. Um, just bear with me for a second. Come on, come on. All right. Uh, I believe this is it. Let me just unmute the board. This is a marketing director for a major hospital uh, uh, group that covers 20 hospitals. And they're talking about what they can do to encourage you to get the vaccine. And what, when I listen to this, I flip my lid. So let me play this. Hang on a second. That's the wrong one. Hang on, just bear with me for a second. I got the wrong thing up here. Uh, there we go. This is what I want. All right. Um, the dashboard and how it's set up myself as far as how we get information out to the community on meaningful numbers. We do that on a weekly basis. So that's on our website and we've been sharing that through social channels as well, particularly those graphics that show the number of patients in house, the percentage of them that are unvaccinated, the percentage of unvaccinated people in the ICU and the percentage of deaths and the numbers. So those are numbers that we put out as far as we don't get into details of floor or right. those other numbers are certainly out there. Right. I, I guess my feeling at this point in time is maybe we need to be completely a little bit more scary for the public. Then there's another comment, as I completely agree, there are many people still hospitalized that we're considering post-COVID, but we're not counting in those numbers. So how do we include those post-COVID people in the numbers of the patients we have in the hospital? So is that all the people who have been in the hospital since the beginning of COVID? Well, or this is that are still in, and that's something that I can take to someone else. But I think those are important numbers, the patients that are still in the hospital, that are off the COVID floor, but still are occupying the hospital for a variety of reasons. Okay. Carolyn, we call those, I'm sorry, we, we're calling those recovered now. If you look at yeah. the Navant Health dashboard, they're listed as recovered. But I do think it... From our standpoint, we would still consider them a COVID patient because they're still healing. Yeah. So I think that that needs to be highlighted as well. Yes. Because once they're off isolation, they drop from the COVID numbers. That's exactly right. Kellen, we can talk offline and yeah. how we run that up. 
to marketing. And right. So I'm just going to say, Marilyn, I think we have to be more blunt. We have to be more forceful. We have to say something coming out. You know, you don't get vaccinated. You know, you're going to die. I mean, let's just let's just be really blunt to these people. All right. Um, you catch that? If they don't get vaccinated, they're going to die. And they talk about how to doctor the numbers of the number of people in the hospital with COVID. Uh, whether or not you had recovered from it and you were still in the hospital just from the after effects or if you actively have COVID. In other words, they're going to count some of these people twice. And if you're in the hospital, say, for cancer and you're dying and you're palliative care for your cancer or if it's heart disease or diabetes or any other morbidity and you end up having to catch COVID, they're going to list you as COVID only, not as what you're really in there for. And if you've recovered from COVID and you're moved off the floor, you're still counted as a COVID patient. So they're double counting. They're, 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 they're fudging the numbers to and then saying when we put this out there we're going to tell you what these are the numbers these are the number of people that are in the hospital and they're dying from covid and if you don't get your vaccination you're gonna die so folks when you look at your newspaper and you hear it on the radio or on the tv and they're giving you the covid numbers take a real good look at that because maybe it's not true and just maybe they're doctoring the numbers to scare you, to force you into doing something that you naturally would not do, and that's get the vaccine. And that is to believe their bullcrap. And that is to wear a paper mask that has only a 10% efficiency or a cloth mask that at maximum is only 30%, whether you're double or triple layered. They're lying to you folks. And the, the virus has a 99.9% recovery rate. Now, you don't have that recovery rate from the common flu. You don't have that recovery rate from pneumonia, which has a higher death rate than COVID. And they're saying, oh, they're all dying from COVID. Well, listen, folks, take a real good look at those death certificates. Matter of fact, after I saw this, I triple checked my husband's death certificate just to make sure it was listed as the major cause as cancer and the two underlying causes. You know, his, his, his inability to clot blood any longer was on there. And uh, one other thing, which is all related to the cancer, I made sure. But how many other people are checking to make sure their loved ones has the correct thing on the death certificate? <clears throat> if you're in there dying from cancer, you're dying from cancer. If you end up contracting COVID because a healthcare worker didn't do something right or someone infected, your, your main reason for passing would be cancer. But the hospital checks off COVID on there. And why? Depending upon where the hospital is and what the, the services they provide you, if they list COVID as a cause, and they're saying, well, we're not paying you because the person died of COVID. We're paying you for the care you gave them in the hospital. So they, they coach this in such beautiful language. But the hospital gets anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $35,000 for every patient they list is COVID and who dies. So don't tell me that's not a death payment. They, they, they coach it under Medicare as we're paying you for the care you gave when they were still alive. 
Yeah, right. <clears throat> right. And that's why you're, you're you denying know, them the uh, invervictum, inver uh, that mono whatever treatment. And people are dying because they're not getting the right treatments. They're saying, well, you're going to die anyway, so we're not going to even bother. But it pisses me off, Curtis. What I'm seeing and what I'm researching, it's really starting to piss me off really bad. Well, you know, going back to what you said about 99% uh, um, survival rate, there are um, sites popping up to try to refute that, you know. And they're doing that with all these so-called truth um, websites and all that. But they're trying to say, yeah, you know, there is that, that survival rate, but you're not really understanding what these people are going through, through, what they suffer through, and, and how they had to be in the hospital, this and that and other. You know, my point is they still survive, you know, and that, that's with any illness, whether it's a heart attack, whatever. The road is never easy for those who have life threatening, you know, illnesses. So, but it's just a thing that they, they put out their things to refute what, you know, the reality is to, to, to keep this thing going. Now, I had a conversation outdoor, outdoors yesterday of a convenience store with a friend of mine who's a, a liberal. He's, I don't know so much a liberal, but he's a Democrat. And um, he was wearing a mask and he also took the vaccine and I was telling him, you know, enlightening him about the, the vaccine and, 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 and how the government was using this to take away freedoms and things. And, um, you know, he was telling me he's having some health issues still. And that's, that's basically when I asked that he take the vaccine because it could be a side effect. But the most pronounced thing I said to this guy was this, and that is if you took the vaccine, it did everything government asked you to do. Why are you still wearing a mask? And why are you still afraid of still catching this? And he had no answer. Well, we do have, with five minutes to spare, Mark Tapscott from the, Ep the Epic Times. Uh, good afternoon, Mark. Better, if, if I can get your little microphone to open up. Better late than never. Uh, there we go. There we go. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mark. <laughs> I can't. And I am so sorry. I I was doing an interview for a story that I'm working on, and I completely lost track of time. I apologize. <laughs> I'll stick around for 30 minutes today. Well, we we're gonna have Dr. Uh, Lee Edwards with us too in about five minutes. So from the Heritage Foundation, uh, but we've been. Are you really? Yes. Are you, Lee, Lee Edwards gave me my first job in Washington, D.C. in 1976, and he taught me how to write. Ah, nice. Nice. Spot yeah, on. He is, one of the, he is one of the best people in Washington, D.C. <laughs> well, in 1976, my first job was working a snack bar in a bowling alley, making egg creams and flipping burgers. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> It's been a long time, man, for both uh, of us. Yeah, yeah, a lifetime away. Uh, we were going because the Epic Times has been doing a whole bunch of series with Dr. Uh, Robert Maloney on this about the virus and the vaccines and uh, about the fudging of the numbers by these medical facilities. And I just played a clip uh, from, um, oh, good Lord, I'm having a major brain fart. It was a uh, marketing director for a hospital 
And I don't know what I did with the printout. I had everything. They represent 20 different hospitals and how to fudge the numbers to get more people to take the vaccine. And the bottom line is the last thing she said was, well, we're just going to tell everyone if they don't get the vaccine, they're going to die. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a really good mm-hmm. marketing ploy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's uh, and, and that really kind of summarizes um, what we've been told by the government, by the Biden administration uh, since he was inaugurated that uh, you know, if you don't do this, you're going to die. So you better do it. And if you don't do it, we're going to make you do it. Yeah. Now, um, Dr. Maloney has two videos up on Epic TVs also that uh, I have set. Uh, I'm going to see if I can try to link them onto my YouTube page so people can uh, watch it there also. Um, but he's also saying that if you have the natural immunity, you just may possibly be immune for life. But if you have the vaccine, you may be good for two, three max six months this is scary stuff that is finally mm-hmm. coming out and mm-hmm. we're only just learning this now two years into the pandemic yeah that's um that's quite amazing when you consider that um um the um i'm i'm, I'm i can never remember exactly how to pronounce the doctor's name he's he is uh, at johns hopkins mackery he has a uh, story, uh, an opinion story, opinion page piece in the Washington Post, in which he says um, natural immunity. The latest study from, I believe, it's Israel, um, oh, indicates yeah. that natural immunity is 27 times stronger than is the vaccine immunity. Absolutely. You think about that. If yeah. it's 27 times stronger. Why on earth has the government for the last seven, eight months um, basically said, no, that's not good enough? It's just amazing. Well, I want to welcome onto the show from the Heritage Foundation, Dr. Lee Edwards. And Dr. Edwards, I got to tell you, uh, he's late. He only came in five minutes after he was supposed to, you know, before he was not going to be here. Uh, One of your protégés, Mark Tapscott, is with us. Now, is that not a blast from the past? (laughs) <laughs> that certainly is, yes. Mark, I brought you from Dallas all those years ago. I hope you've forgiven just, me for bringing you to Washington, D.C. <laughs> listen, Lee, I was just telling Ann that, you know, you gave me my first job. You taught me how to write and that you were one of the finest people in Washington, D.C. Oh, that's why you're in trouble, Mark, because you're going around telling stories like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm always glad to bring old buddies together. So Mark's going to hang out with us because uh, he's he was he never gave me his late slip. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll take it out of a pound of flesh later. Um, but besides being a distinguished fellow um, of conservative thought at the B. Kenneth Simon Center for American Studies at the Heritage Foundation, I managed to say that all without messing it up. I'm proud of myself right now. Um, <laughs> you're also an adjunct. See, now I know it's going to blow it somewhere along the way. An adjunct professor of politics at the Catholic University of America. And um, you're also uh, chairman of the foundation that is dedicated to the victims of communism memorial. I mean, do you ever have any time to sleep? Oh, yes, I do. Indeed. I'm, I'm driven to it uh, every day and every night. <laughs> 
Well, you know, being at the Catholic University, the Pope recently made a pronouncement. Now, I am no longer Roman Catholic. I'm now Anglican. Uh, I was raised Italian Roman Catholic, and you can't get any more Roman Catholic than that. But when he made his pronouncement on abortion and whether or not someone should be given communion or excommunicated, I'm going, when did the Catholic Church become so liberal? Well, of course, he uh, comes out of the liberation theology of Latin America, and obviously that's influenced him, plus the fact that he's a Jesuit, and we always know the Jesuits are looking for not exactly uh, direct answers to serious problems. So I think that's what's influencing him. Fortunately, he was not speaking ex cathedra, so we can go ahead and still, if we want, deny the communion to political figures if that's something that uh, we think is the right thing to do. Well, that's what I was hearing from a bunch of other, you know, um, priests that were talking about it and uh, and bishops that were speaking out about it. And I'm glad to see that. Um, but, you know, we have within Christianity as well as Judaism a war going on. You know, you've got the liberal arm and then those that would rather adhere to the Torah and the uh, Bible and and live by the walking in the path of Christ, whereas, no, let's reinterpret it. Those were words meant for back then, but they don't really apply today. But they do, don't they? Well, you know, Annie, I, th I think you can apply the same thing to what we're talking about in the, the Bible and our faith to the what's going on with the Supreme Court and the battle going on there. And it's between the forces of those people who believe in originalism, if you will, what the founders had in mind when they wrote the Constitution, and those people who have come along since then and said, oh, well, the Constitution is anything we want it to be. It's just a, a living document, so-called. And I think we see that right today within the, the Catholic Church, and I happen to be Catholic myself, but I think in people of, of faith, of, of all faiths, they're concerned about you know, what, what, what are the lessons that, that Jesus Christ handed down to us, and let's stick with that rather than what what may be talked about or debated or discussed uh, today in these modern times. You know, that is really powerful because, you know, you're looking at some of the things the Supreme Court has been doing and you're like, sometimes they, they, they hit it spot on and other times they miss the mark like you wouldn't believe. Uh, but it is, it is a battle between left and right at this point. Well, it's a battle between right and wrong, too, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's a that's an easy way to put it. That is a very easy way to put it. Um, one of the things you also talk about, and uh, at one point, Mark Sanford was my congressman, my governor, and then my congressman. And I had him on a speed dial on my phone because I'm the leader of my local Tea Party, and he lives is he was in my county. That's where he's from went to the same church that I go to, uh, but he, when we thought at one point Cuba was going to open up back in the early 2000s, uh, Congress was sending money down there, uh, giving them these loans, grants, or whatever you want to call it, and I kept on screaming, going, no, don't do that. You don't understand. You don't understand communism. You think you're sending the money down there and it's going to trickle down to the people so the people can go out and buy food and get better clothing and medical care. They're never going to see a penny of it. It's going to go to the Communist Party elites 
And it's only going to fatten their bank accounts and fatten their bellies. Am I looking at Cuba the right way or the wrong way? Well, absolutely. That was a wonderful way to sum it up because we know from our study of communism, and I've been privileged to be a, a co-founder and also chairman of the Victims of Communism Foundation, that communism is all about lies. It only exists because it can lie and lie and lie over and over again, whether it's promising to bring peace to a particular country and its people, whether it's talking about whether it's going to improve its uh, the, the standard of living uh, of a particular... They, they promise bread, but they deliver bread lines. They promise peace, but they deliver war and conflict. And so it seems to me that's one of the great challenges, Annie, and one of the things that we're trying to do with our victims of Communism Foundation is to educate younger Americans, particularly the rising generation, as Russell Kirk referred to it, about what communism is all about. And if you talk about that, you also have to talk about socialism because they it's a sister religion, if you will, of, of communism. Well, yeah, socialism is the first step towards communism. You know, it, it sounds sweet. It sounds nice. We're going to make sure there's jobs for everyone. Um, the government is going to work hand in hand with business. And as it progresses, no, now the business no longer is independent. It's fully dependent upon what the government tells it to do. And over time, government becomes that business. They take it over. You think you're going to get equal pay? Hey, in other words, you're getting no pay and you become slave labor. Uh, you think you're going to get the bread? Nope, nope. Like we saw in the Soviet Union before the fall of it, large bread lines. You know, if you went to Russia and visited Moscow, the kids would gather around asking for bubble gum and blue jeans because they didn't have yep. them. And who had all those things? The party elite. And unless you were part of the party elite, you were sitting out there squat. And for those that were the intelligentsia, uh, the media, the entertainers, the, the upper class, as they like to figure they were, and they rub elbows with the Communist Party elite, they were the foolish idiots that they were used as puppets to keep the people in line. And once their usefulness was done, they're gone. Hmm. But that, they don't understand the truth about communism. Everyone is a victim except the elite. Annie, can you come and be a lecturer for us? <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> summary up there. You know, one of the things I like to mention when I'm talking about communism, particularly young people, are always talking about, well, you know, let's, let's try socialism. And I say, now, as a matter of fact, three nations tried uh, socialism after World War II, uh, the Israel, uh, yep. India, and the UK, United Kingdom, all three tried socialism for about a quarter of a century. And at the end of that period of experimentation, the inflation rate in Israel was 400% a year. India had the uh, half of its population was living in poverty, and the UK, the United Kingdom, which had been one of the great industrial powers of the 19th and 20th centuries, was called usually the sick man of Europe. So what do they do? They all three rejected socialism. They said, no, it doesn't work. It 
does not work. It brings all those things that you've just been talking about and describing so eloquently. And they started to go down the free enterprise road. And within just a few years, success, prosperity, and a civil society was certainly being created, no question about it, uh, in, in Israel. Uh, they were became one of the most prosperous nations, not only in the Middle East, but in the world. One half of India became not uh, living in poverty, but became part of a middle class. There is the largest middle class in the world is now in India. And UK, well, of course, it was so strong because of Margaret Thatcher and her bringing in denationalization and turning over the means of production to private industry, not to the government. Great Britain was able to get out of the uh, EU and is again once again on the road to prosperity so Annie what I'd like to do is to is to keep mentioning those three examples over and over again as well as a little bit talk about Scandinavia and that we can get into that as well if you'd like well what people don't realize if we look at the the history of the founding of this nation let's go back to the Mayflower and when they came over they were worried about food and everything else so they said well Everyone works for everyone else. There's no private property. So whatever you, you, you grow, we're going to throw into one big pile and we're going to share it with everyone. Well, what they learned by doing that is, well, guess what? If you know you're going to get a share of that anyway without even having to work, why work? So half the colony was working their butts off to feed the other half. And that was the, the first taste of communism here in the United States before it was mm. even formed and it did not work and we see them trying it over and over and over and over again we rejected it with the Mayflower but the rest of the world has not yet learned it's a lesson we have to keep uh, preaching over and over and over again and I think uh, you start with that and also that example uh, in uh, Indiana uh, yeah, along the walk, the uh, the banks of the Wabash there for some two years, underwritten by a British uh, industrialist, and after two years they closed it down. It didn't take very long because what people came to uh, new prosperity, as it was called, and they said, "Well, I'm, we're here. Give us the free food. Give us the free schooling, and so forth." And they said, "No, no, we want you to work." to uh, be a part of this. They said, we're not going to do that. We thought this was, was a free ride. We thought there was a free lunch here. And so within two years, it just collapsed. Uh, and the British uh, industrialists went back to Britain, wrote some books, and uh, didn't have quite the influence which he'd had before because of the failure there in uh, America, in Indiana, in the, in the 1820s. Mm. You know, um, my husband, rest his soul, his family fled from Latvia uh, after the end of World War II. His father was in the Latvian military. Um, so they fought the Nazis and then eventually the Russians. Um, so they knew what it was. And my mother-in-law lost several of her brothers because they came, knocked on the door and goes, we need your labor. You're coming with us now. And when they refused, they were shot. That 
is communism. Yeah. You yeah. don't have the choice. You don't even have a choice of of what career you're going to go into. As you're going through school, they're going to say, oh, you're going to be an accountant. You're going to be a farmer. Uh, you can be a ballet dancer. Uh, you are going to be a maid. You know, they tell you who you are going to be. You don't have a choice. So why would you have to work hard at what you do? You work only hard enough so you don't get noticed and just as little as much so you're not under too much of a strain and you still get bread in the basket after you stand in line for a half a day. example of that. You're absolutely right. A wonderful example of that is West Germany, East Germany. Uh, of course, the West, uh, a, a essentially a capitalist uh, a society, believing in markets by and large. And East uh, Germany, of course, being a communist country, very much under the Soviet control. When they united, uh, the first thing that West Germany had to do was to put up one billion marks to help East Germany uh, make that transition from communism to capitalism. And it took many, many, many years. And as a matter of fact, that transition is still going on. There are still parts of East Germany or Eastern Germany, if you will, which is still trying to accept the fact that they're going to have to work to earn their, their livelihood. Uh, to me, it's, it's an example that needs to be stressed over and over again. Another one, which I'm sure you're familiar with, is East, uh, I should say rather, North Korea and South Korea. Mm -hmm. And there's that wonderful satellite photograph taken of the Korean Peninsula at night. And you look and you'll see that the southern half of the peninsula is lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and that's, that's South Korea. Uh, that's where freedom and prosperity exists. You look to the North Korea, it's dark as like a, uh, an underground cellar. And that is North Korea after 30, 40, 50, 70, 80 years of communism. Again and again, these examples, Annie, just are there, just that we have to keep bringing them and educating, particularly, we're hopeful, uh, the young people to let them know what communism slash socialism is all about. Well, you know, if it's so good, why are people constantly trying to flee it? Now, I had a friend of mine I worked with in uh, NYPD. He was a detective. As a youth, he had a motorcycle. And when Germany was split at the end of World War II, and they decided they were going to build a wall, uh, before the wall went up, it was barbed wire, and his friends at night built a ramp. And he actually was one of the first ones to go over the wall. He jumped the motorcycle mm. over the barbed wire and fled. Right. He later right. on became, he joined the U.S. Army and then became part of NYPD, is how I met him. Uh, but if it's so good, why are people fleeing? You know, we have, uh, with the victims of communism, we're, we're building a museum right now, and it's going to open up uh, later, perhaps, uh, later this year or early next year. Uh, and by the way, we, we have, were able to dedicate the only memorial to the victims of communism, to the more than 100 million victims mm -hmm. of communism in the last century and this century, unhapp unhappily still in places like China and Cuba. Uh, just back uh, a decade ago, uh, dedicated uh, to the victims of communism, accepted by the American people. 
And one of the things that we've just discovered over and over again is that if you do begin to tell the truth about communism to young people, they'll say, oh, well, we didn't know that. Uh, and then we found out that the problem is that the teachers don't know no. what communism is all about and are not teaching it. So we started a program a couple of years ago educating the teachers, the high school teachers, then go back to their schools and tell the truth about communism to their students. So it's it's an ongoing project uh, and something that uh, we think is, is pretty effective. Yeah, if, they, if they ever saw what happened with the fall of Saigon, the fall of Cambodia, the Khmer Rouge, they would turn around and go, no, this, yeah, people mm -hmm. are that yeah. brutal. And I always ask everyone, are you aware that Hezbollah, Hamas, and every single radical Muslim terrorist group sends their fighters over to Moscow to be trained? Mm. So you ever wonder why there's a similarity between the way Islam is built as well as the way communism is built? Well, one, you may say Mohammed is the ruler. Uh, well, you have Putin as the ruler. So everyone bows to Putin. You still have communism, even though they don't call it there in Russia. It still exists because the Communist Party still exists. But you had mentioned Scandinavia. Everyone turns around and pulls that Scandinavia. Well, we're showing you how socialism really, truly does work. And I do believe when someone pulled that statement, I don't remember if it was Hillary Clinton or someone else, um, the uh, president, I believe it was of... Um, was it Copenhagen? I mean, Denmark? Yes, Estonia, the prime minister of Estonia. Estonia? Named Rasmussen. Uh, and he was so pissed off. He goes, don't you ever call us socialists. And he explained why. And I, I just, I'm sorry, my mind is just pulling little tippets out of the back there. So if I screw things up, please forgive me. It's my gray hair. No, no, that's absolutely <laughs> the case. He, as a matter of fact, he was in well, several different places, but he was in Washington, D.C., speaking at the National Press Club. And he got up and he said, and he looked out at all of these reporters, liberal reporters, and he said, now I just want to say one thing before anything else, that Denmark is not a socialist country. We believe in free markets. And there was this collective, <gasps> you <Yep>. know, in, <laughs> by all the reporters saying, what? Wait a minute now. How could that possibly be? And he said, we are not in charge of the way things are produced in Denmark, that we turn over to free markets and to the capitalist system. Now, it's true. They do have a welfare system. It is true. But you wind up paying the average uh, tax in, uh, in Denmark is just over 50 percent, mm -hmm. whether you're rich or whether you're middle class. So you, there is a big premium that you pay for their welfare. But even that premium could not be paid unless you had a market, a free market system working in Denmark, in Sweden, and the other Scandinavian countries. And I'll tell you, the prices are not cheap, because I was in Copenhagen back in the late 70s, early 80s, and um, I ended up having to go down to the front desk and cash a check twice, because things were not <laughs> cheap. And I do have a funny story about that, because if you've ever been to Copenhagen, there's this one street that you do not want to walk down. Uh, because that is where all of the uh, street uh, uh, entertainment is, to be polite. 
And I was with <laughs> two other women, and they were from the Midwest, and we were trying to find a restaurant, and we asked someone directions, and they sent us down this one street. And there are little old ladies that sit in the window or the doorways with buckets of urine. And if you gawk at the wares being displayed, you end up with a bucket of urine on you. And <laughs> we ended up walking down from one end of the street, and I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about, to the other. And on the opposite end was a police officer with two Doberman pinchers on leashes. And the second we started walking, the Doberman's ears went up, and the teeth started to be they're just like, we just want to get out of here back to our hotel. He just pointed in the direction, didn't say a word. And it's like, ladies, you don't look left or right. You keep your eyes straight forward. We're going to get down to that officer. Just you don't want to wear urine on your nice dress. But that that's true capitalism. Well, I think that uh, we have an opportunity, as I said, to, to tell the truth about about uh, socialism, about communism. Uh, and if we don't, then we're going to be getting into some serious trouble uh, in the future. Uh, China is not just interested in being a, a dominant uh, presence in Southeast Asia. They have in mind being the number one economic power in the world, and they are challenging the United States of America directly. Uh, and uh, with, through things like... Uh, not just uh, uh, the business of uh, perhaps uh, starting a pandemic, and I'm not saying that they did it deliberately. I don't believe that they did. But uh, they are so active in so many ways. We've done a couple of different studies, for example, and I'm sure, Annie, you, you know about the Confucius Institutes. Oh, yeah. Which uh, exist uh, in too many of our colleges and universities right now in which there are American professors who are receiving direct payments uh, from China to teach, and not just teaching, uh, you know, the Dragon Dance uh, to celebrate the New Year's of China. They're teaching them what a wonderful place China is and what a wonderful place it can be for young people to grow, to grow up and to, and to, be, to be successful. They're, these are propaganda outlets for China. Uh, and, of course, the, the, how they're planting spies in our industries oh, yeah. uh, so badly that in Houston uh, they had to shut down the Chinese uh, embassy there uh, in Houston because they were so active in trying to infiltrate various Houston, particularly big energy and chemical companies as well there in Houston. So they are everywhere. They've launched a soft war against us, Annie. And we have to accept that, realize that, and take appropriate action to defend our interests against this very, what I think is a hostile power. Yeah, well, they're grabbing up properties left and right, uh, farmland, uh, food manufacturing, uh, actually now new housing developments before they even go onto the market. So they're snatching them up so that they can rent them back to us. And the next time you go to the grocery store and you pick up a, a package of Smithfield bacon or any other Smithfield product, you're paying communist China. That is how insepid it has become 
in our nation. We're down to our last five minutes here. And Mark, I'm sorry you didn't get to say more, but we're going to have to have you. You're going to be back in two weeks anyway. Dr. Lee Edwards, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. I wish we had more time. There's so much more to talk about because you wrote a marvelous article about the 4th of July and why we should have the 9-11-9-12 spirit carry through the 4th of July to today. And we, we should be a united nation, not a divided nation. Dr. Lee Edwards. Absolutely, Annie. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you. You're always so stimulating. You're always so much right on the target. And uh, I, I would love to have you be one of our lecturers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flattered. I am absolutely flattered. Uh, but God bless you, uh, you and Mark, too. Mark, God bless you. All the best. All right. God bless. All right. Thank you, Mark. Take care. All right. Check it out. Uh, the Epic Times dot com as well as Heritage Foundation, Heritage dot org. Uh, the show has just blown right past Curtis. I mean, it, it just nonstop. <laughs> sure has. Um, seems like I just got on a half hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're already uh, almost completely full. I think we are full for next week. You're not going to be with us next week, uh, but Vito Esposito is going to step in in your place. Uh, we have James Kitfield hey. on. Uh, he's the author of, book, of the book Company of Heroes. He was supposed to be on last week, and he just everything messed up. Uh, we also have former United States Ambassador Stanley Escudero. Uh, he is the president of Shield Bearer. Uh, we also have Kathleen yep. Mark Cardin of the American Policy Center. Uh, AmericanPolicyCenter.org, and then my paisano James J. Cafaro. Uh, he was a lieutenant colonel in the uh, U.S. Army. He is also with the Heritage Foundation. So we're booked for next week, and we're booking into the following week. So oh, wow! All right. So that's all we got for now. So um, I'll just leave everyone with our song by Carrie. They're not Carrie. Gary Pecorella, Save America, and that's what we're fighting to do: Save America. So I say good night, God bless, and have a safe weekend. I'm praying for this land I love, America, America, the home of the free. But there are people making plans to change America They've no respect for her or what matters most to me That's why I stand for the flag And I kneel at the cross Mom, for the friends I have loved and lost America, God bless America, and the red, white, and blue.
It is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.